0: This has been a, uh, a busy week of shows, man, and I'm, I'm digging it. So, uh, before we get into everything and bring on Dave Silvera from Corn, very excited. Uh, every, uh, every other episode for this month, but every episode we do once a week, is sponsored by Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out, quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent it would be a top contender for hunters alike, with the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring they receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available through our privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through FortScottMunitions.com. I'll spell it out for you guys, F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. Their stuff is in high demand, flying off the shelves, and as we're recording this one, you're gearing up for your next of a long hiatus. This is the second, you know, before a long hiatus yeah. <laughs> of uh, battling tactical forces. Yeah. Where you'll be shooting Fort Scott.
1: Yeah, they're at the uh, they're at the compound in uh, Crete, Illinois, which is south of Chicago. It's a suburb of Chicago, South Chicago. Um, yeah, it's Fort Scott Munitions, defensive concealed carry. So we teach people how to shoot from a. And draw their weapons from a concealed position. It's not a concealed carry course as far as getting a concealed carry license. It's actually showing you how it can be uh, difficult if you really are out in the real world. And you have to draw your pistol from a, from a concealed carry position or inside the waistband holster position. And and uh, it's a perishable skill. I think people just assume as soon as they can shoot their gun, well, it's going to be easy to draw it. It's going to be easy to clear my shirt. It's going to be easy to clear my belt it's going to be easy to get the gun out of my waistband and it's not you have to practice that and of course doing working with grs within the agency that's how we always carried and and we had to get and honestly our courses were pretty dang tough when we had to get vetted and then certified i should say or just qualified to go down range we had some pretty pretty arduous concealed carry drills and and uh and drills and um gosh practicums we had to do and to qualify, so I just kind of pull a little bit of that into the training because uh because it's fun and and Fort Scott munitions too man that stuff just runs and it just pushes through and it hits everything and it's consistent it's like you said it, it's amazing and so um yeah, blessed I get to go down there and shoot another five hundred rounds, which is nice, nice. sorry for all you people that are waiting on your ammo um yeah I've I, I i man that they they take good care of me and and um, yeah, it's 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 the best again, best home defense ammo. And now they make also a a range ammo, just as a, which is a lower grain, so it's a it's a cheaper cost to go out there and shoot and train with your with your pistol. So if you're going, which to, you means get that I can
0: I can probably yeah. use some of that.
1: Yeah, no, no, yeah, Hey, do you hear that, Robbie? Ian needs some range <laughs> ammo, but just got to figure out how to ship it into
0: New York.
1: That's between you and Ian. But um, I yeah, think, you have got to come to the course, man.
0: I, yeah, I don't think I'd have an issue, man. Um, I don't know New the York, rules. Yeah. Like, yeah, California, who knows. Is that, but, uh, Long Island, New York, I honestly think you're fine. Uh, well um, then at, least, Robbie, at least for shotgun ammo. Yeah.
1: We'll get, Robbie, get him some ammo. And yeah, Ian's definitely get to come to a course you have funded. We, we have a blast. And then we even throw – we do throw a little bit of basic movements and shooting from vehicles in that defensive concealed carry course, but that's not our – Vehicle defense course, where we actually teach you how to shoot and move and and fight from a vehicle. We just get into it just a little bit because, I mean, think about it. if you're driving in your vehicle, if you're in a concealed carry position, you got to learn how to how to deploy your gun um, from a, from a vehicle from that concealed carry position without hurting yourself or hurting anybody else in the car or having a, a fatal accident just because you can't get your gun out of your waistband, which it, which it's, it happens. So, but well, I have, I have no there,
0: problem right. saying too, that, you know, if you're going to take a course and you really do want to learn how to stay calm during violence of action and all that, yep. as you speak of, dude, you are the guy to go to. And, and I say it because there's a ton of people teaching courses who have never really had to experience those circumstances. They, they hypothetically, are able to run through what it would be like, but you've been in those circumstances. What would it? Dozens or hundreds? Uh,
1: I, I, I would. We'll
0: just say dozens. I
1: don't know. <laughs> i I'm, I'm a pretty humble guy. I, I and by saying that, that means I'm not humble. Did I just say I'm not humble by saying i was <laughs> humble? But I, I've been it a few times. Yeah, I'd say let's just keep it in the dozens, because uh, you know, let's say 90. Be realistic. 90% of the time you're downrange, you're playing Call of Duty. Say the other 10% where you're like, man, I'm not getting paid enough to do this stuff.
0: But you <laughs> so, did it for years. I mean, not just as yeah, an Army yeah. Ranger, but as a CIA contractor. So. Yeah, I
1: did and and taught it to other CIA contractors under special operations guys. So that's a difference too, though. Is you you have to be able to. You know be able to 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 operate within the environments and utilize your systems and and I'm always learning too. I'm still always learning, but then you have to transfer over and be able to teach it as well and And sometimes those guys, some of the best operators in the world couldn't teach for shit. You just can't get the the they can't they can't get the curriculum. they can't get the teaching points over, and that's nothing to knock'. Them. It's just just how it was I used to be like that too. I just learned from other good instructors, how to instruct. It wasn't, Hey, I'm a great instructor. It was, man, he did. I'm, I got to instruct. I got to start learning how to be an instructor now and not just somebody that goes downrange and, and, and has to, has to utilize your weapon systems and has to utilize them in very, very close environments. Um, and so not only did I learn from guys that were good operators, awesome guys, like Frank Grippy, first Sergeant Grippy, who hopefully we'll have on the show here. You know, uh, you got Sergeant Strucker who threw me through ranger indoctrination program then you've got my guys sergeant Roop sergeant mccaslin these guys and sergeant even sergeant joshua wheeler who who was a e5 and when i was a untabbed private in a spec 4 there at range battalion and um i have people I, I so admire this is one of my things i'm very proud of when sergeant wheeler and sergeant wheeler died he was a delta unit unit operator he was with delta and he passed away a few years ago in syria and and um but he was he was a tremendous, tremendous Ranger and, of course, tremendous unit soldier. And I said, just Delta Operator, I should call him uh, D-Boy. Let's just use D-Boy. That's what I like calling him. And um, but one of my favorite things and one of my biggest I think one of my biggest mistakes in the military was Sergeant Wheeler. At the time when I was a tab spec four, just got back from Ranger school. He was a E-5 promotable. He was give, getting his squad in Bravo Company and it was second platoon. He was uh, first platoon. He Was getting his squad and he asked me to be his team leader. And that to me, that was wow, man, this that's guy awesome! Man. Wants me to be his team leader, so you have you're going to be your your two teams within your squad. And I, at the same time, though, my platoon leader was asking me to go be an officer because I had my master's degree at the time, so I had to make a decision and I chose to go be an officer. Looking back on it now, and again, I'm glad it worked out nothing, nothing, it worked out. But man, I was like, man, wouldn't that have been badass? Because he was Absolutely. Sergeant Wheeler was a badass at that time, and he had an E five with all that piss and vigor He had. He was the most motivated son of a bitch, and for him to see something in me to say, hey, man, I want you to come be one, be one of my team leaders. Um, now, I obviously I felt like I was doing something right as a young ranger at the time. But anyway, getting off the Fort
0: Scott. You yeah, know, I I could tell that you are <laughs> you are a natural at what you do. But yeah, so use exclusive promo code battleline for 15% off your order at Fort Scott Munitions. Uh 15% off fortscottmunitions.com with promo code battleline, only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast and Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris and, Battleline Tactical and the Battleline Podcast. Uh, yeah, and and you know what I should say before we get into the actual show. If people, you know, you have other classes lined up. Uh, ChrisTontoPeranto.net, right?
1: Yeah, go go to ChrisTontoPeranto.net, or you can even just search Battleline Tactical. It's the first thing that pops up on the on the Google on the Google search on the old mm-hmm. Google meter. <laughs> and um, we've got courses. Uh, actually, we've got one in uh, up in your area. We got one in Maine, and we already have eight signups. I thought we weren't gonna have any. And if we weren't going to have any, I was going to cancel it. But we've got eight signups.
0: All right. Well, with that, you know, we got Dave Silvera coming on, so let's get right into this episode.
2: On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk never quit you're locked and loaded with chris Peronto and ian scotto this this is the battle line podcast
1: which is on motherfucker i'm gonna shoot you in the face
0: is on episode 32 Dave Silvera from corn. I know both of us are nerding out geeking out it's gonna be cool to have him on great dude uh, so yeah this has been uh, this has been a pretty eventful month for us in terms of doing more shows been an eventful month in the world of podcasts hearing about Joe Rogan getting a hundred million dollars from Spotify well, uh, did, that's you, huge. did you like my gift
1: I like my yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking crazy pills I, right hey now, man
0: I, the stock went way up. I think it's a good move. I actually hey, do. Uh, it's uh, you good.
1: know, it's good for uh, all the, but with, I'm like, eh, okay,
0: whatever. You know,
1: me dude. I, I I give two shits about Joe Rogan. I know I'm one like the minority, but but good good and for good for him. And I don't give two. I I don't. Come on, man. He's fear factor. I feel like, oh, God, you're no. I
0: he's a, really he's a that. great interviewer, though. He he is. I think I think he's super skilled at what he does. And you know, they don't pay you a hundred million dollars for nothing. So I don't. I wouldn't say that. I, obviously, they do.
1: Oh, yeah, there get some hates out there not I, I, I don't care, red. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. It's good. It's good news, but I don't I don't listen to Joe
0: Rogan. I still don't listen to Joe Rogan yeah, whatever. so uh. Well, yeah. If they invite you on, though, you better fucking go on. I'm not that, going on. That would be great, He'd dude. You know, how, you know how good of exposure that would be, though.
1: Oh, fuck! I give two fucks I... about <laughs> exposure, dude. I'm gonna do this for fun and for. And you know what? If he was gonna I'm have trying me to get on, that Spotify probably... money, bro, <laughs> he probably should have had me on a long time ago when I actually was out there speaking speaking all the time about the, everything that was going on in the world and the news. Now it's like, eh, yeah. We'll, nah. Dude, we'll so do he, our. He,
0: other thing I wanted to bring up in terms of our podcast is yeah. I did get an email from Gotham podcast studio and it looks like early next month studios are going to be reopening. Oh, so cool. for the people I have gotten some reviews, like we got one four star review. That was like the only reason it's not five stars because the sound quality is not great. If you listen to the old episodes, the sound quality is great. We're going to be back in studio. Uh, you know, they're, they're taking very, big precautions, which I understand. It's New York City, oh, yeah. so yeah. Uh, they are going to, like, digitally get your temperature before you walk in. You're going to be wearing a face mask in the lobby. You are not going to be going behind the boards to talk to the person uh, in the control room. It is what it is, but um, I'm going to be glad to be back in studio regardless. And we're being pitched some really big names, too, because, like, our friends at Simon & Schuster have really noticed the podcast, and uh, Chris Wallace from Fox News wants to come on i would no have way. chris wallace dude, I yeah would, so. i would
1: love it because he, he's he's old school man i would love to have him on guys like him or or larry king and i, I i'm saying this with 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 a lot of what's it, my my you obviously you guys know from listening to the podcast my grasp of the english language sucks <laughs> i should be i should be british i'm telling you i, I just, I'd probably talk better being in england than i would here but chris wallace and i'm saying it with all all endearment at all and you know, as much respect as i get but larry king chris wallace uh you know those guys like that those are old, the old school guys man lou dobbs another one old school yeah. guys that have been around forever that that have still have still managed to stay relevant when media is completely changed they'll tell you both they'll, they'll even tell you media has completely changed from when they first started so i think that'd be awesome to have chris wallace on dude I,
0: yeah I he know. wants to come on um and if we're back in studio, I want to get as many people as we can in studio. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like Skyped out in terms of just doing the remote <laughs> stuff. I, I like being in person where I could talk and have a real conversation. I know you're in Omaha, but it's still different, I think, when we have someone in studio with me. Uh, and yeah, he has, he has a new book out about uh, World War II. So we could talk about some military history stuff. And that's really what he's out there promoting. So perfect. Yeah, he'll be great for sure. So I'm excited for that uh, yeah, um, a uh, lot of a lot of good people on the rise, and then you know, if we're back in studio, I was even thinking like my friend uh, James Powell, former Marine, former CIA, would love to have him in studio. Maybe get Jim West in studio for an appearance and stuff like that. And I know you have people that that you want. Um, and same with people I want, but I, I'd like to get some of the New York people when we could finally be in person yeah. again. You know, it's, just, it, it's it's a different feel.
1: It'd be it'd be nice, you know, and to get to have the have the the. Uh, Studio there again, but for me, I mean, I'd love to do a Ranger month, and and I i I'll, I'll got to reach out. I've just been procrastinating reaching out to my people. But we talked. I, I said like maybe Sergeant Major Frank Grippy, Command Sergeant Major Frank Grippy, who, who I know a lot of you don't know who he was. If he comes on the show, you're gonna know who he is, a man, and he's he's a guy I admired one of the he he epitomizes what range battalion is but also you know another friend of mine with and i'm proud to say we we went to basic training together we went through airborne or he went to airborne together i didn't have to go to airborne i went through, through the five the jump phase because i was my second time in but we went through rip together when i went through the second time it was his first time and then we we're at range battalion together that's leroy petrie that's medal of honor honor winner sergeant leroy petrie be great to have him on and and he's a friend so i think that'd be a great interview and and bro i'll tell you what. If, for those that want to know how to about never quitting, never giving up, and just intestinal fortitude, and mental toughness, and and epitomizing Ranger Battalion again, that's Sergeant Sergeant Petrie. All right, so um, I'd love to, and then Matty Waters as well, another Ranger that I served with that is tougher nails. He's guys. He lost his leg due to an RPG in Afghanistan, and he currently is an EOD tech on the Tacoma Police Department. Wow. I'd love to have him on. So there's another. And he's another guy I admired that was uh, ranked higher than me. He, had his, he was a tab spec four when I was a private. And and uh, he was one of the nice tab spec fours, relatively speaking. Most of the time, the tab spec fours, those are guys that are E4s with their Ranger tabs. Most of the time, those guys are the devil. I was too a little bit. When I got my tab, it's just a rite of passage. But Maddie. Matty was one of the uh, one of the nicer ones. Again, that's relatively speaking. They're not nice. He just is, was a little. He just wasn't as <laughs> demonish as the rest of them. But he taught me a lot too, and he taught me how to be a ranger. And again, he epitomizes intestinal fortitude, never quitting, never giving up. And it shows within what he does now. Lost a leg, and he's still out there. Still out there. Actually, and he's still out there looking for bombs on the police force, <laughs> even though he lost his leg due to an explosive. So, uh. So, I mean, that's amazing. So, yeah, I, I, we, got, we got a lot of people we'd like to have on, and we'll, we'll reach out to them, and hopefully we can get them on in the next you know six months or so.
0: Yeah, for sure. Those EOD guys are complete badasses. So much respect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and we will, because I'm thinking next month, if I'm back in studio, I want to do all in studio if I can. I know we got to get Josh, Jeff, Josh Jesper yeah, sit John, back on, because I owe him an interview. But other than that, I would like to do all in studio for a bit while we're back in studio, because we've done... More than enough of these Skype ones, uh, but I'm very excited to see Dave Silveira's on. And I should uh, throw this out to you guys. After our interview with Jimmy Allen, Jimmy Allen threw us a song and said, hey, how would you guys oh, do yeah. this as an intro? And it sounds so badass. So I just got to get some voiceover done for that. And in June, we'll have a new intro and you guys are going to be blown away by how cool this sounds. Like I, I really dig it. I know you do, too.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel like Jack of Spades, man. I got my own. I got my own theme music, man. I feel yeah, like <laughs> yeah. an
0: award-winning songwriter
1: too. <laughs> oh no, but dude, the guy, the guy that that basically made and all the Puddle of Mud guys can be mad at me for this. They hear, but the guy that basically started and made Puddle of Mud what it is with their great songs, and you have that guy writing a song for you. Yeah, dude, I do. I feel like Shaft with my Shaft theme music in the background. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, no. it, it's rocking, dude. It's kick-ass. I'm so
0: psyched for you guys to hear it. So that'll be uh, in June. I'm going to just, you know, get the production done. Uh, But yeah, we have Dave Silvera waiting. So uh, I want to just let you guys know once again that Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that they receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions, it's available throughout privately owned businesses in every state, as well as directly online through FortScottMunitions.com. Use our exclusive promo code BattleLine for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BattleLine podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BattleLine Tactical, and the BattleLine podcast. If you guys are on the market for ammo, you're going to want to go there and uh, use that discount code because uh, they got some great stuff. And and with that. Let me add the one and only Dave Silvera to the call. I am psyched, man. You don't really need an intro. I feel like this audience really knows you. Yeah. I mean, so many guys, whether they are former military or are just in that demographic, grew up listening to Korn. Oh, they yeah. know your work. But Dave Silvera, original drummer from Korn, from the original lineup, 93 to 2006, current drummer of Bias. And yeah. I got a chance to speak to you like a year ago. And the, the crazy thing is this. A year ago you guys were really gearing up Bias, getting everything set off the ground, doing a ton of shows in really your area, the Los Angeles area at these classic venues whether it's like the Whiskey a Go Go or the Troubadour, and then COVID-19 hits, live shows are not happening. So like what have you uh, been up to because the songs are killer and like I love what what Bias has been up to, man. Um
3: our, our last show COVID started out um Two days before our last show, we, we played a show with the whiskey. It was a really good turnout, but the reason we booked the show is because we had two really big managers that were supposed to come to the show, and both of them at like 7 o'clock called me and said, we're not going to be able to make it because they're both over 60, and they both had uh, c- kind of wheezing problems, and they're both going, we're kind of scared to come out to the show, so we booked <laughs> the show, we ended up playing it anyways, and then after that, <laughs> we haven't rehearsed one time, we haven't talked to anybody, it's just been total shut down. But we do have eight songs fully recorded and mixed and ready to go. Uh, so whenever this uh, industry gets back going, we're gonna send out all of our music to uh, everybody we can think of.
1: There, is yeah. it even gonna get back going? I mean, look at everything now with with y'all and and not ha- not being able to perform because that's that's where it's killer. It's at those small venues. The the and you get in. And I I still a bucket list for me to go and watch actually it'd be awesome to see you guys at the wishy go-go that's like a place i haven't been i've been a lot of places i haven't been there and i you know grow, growing up watching music videos where that was the place where it was motley crew and the, or anything and just like oh my gosh i gotta go do see that thing man i gotta go get in there feel that adrenaline but it, since that stuff is that ever gonna go again I, i'm just to in, is are they even gonna open again with all the rules that they've set how can you have Okay. And I, I'm saying social distancing. I'm smiling as I say that because I, I, I hate these damn keywords that everybody uses you now, these power social distancing. But how do you do that? Within, uh, how are you going to have anything like that if you can't even get close to each other? You can't get the mosh pit going anymore. You can't stand next to each other, sweat next to each other, which is part of the fun of a concert. What's going to happen? I, and I know I'm at your opinion, but you all want to know because you've been in the business forever. <clears throat>
3: Honestly, I I don't really see major sporting events where people are sitting side by side or even concerts really happening until there's some kind of some kind of vaccine for this thing. Um, I I just I don't really know how else to do it. I mean, I mean, they're finding out it's less contagious than they thought.
0: Oh, without a doubt. You know, actually, yesterday what came out uh, was that like a quarter to half of uh, of New York has it. So here's the thing. It's, it's contagious, but a lot of people don't even know if they have it, had it. Yeah. I'm actually going to test for the antibodies tomorrow just to see, did I ever get this thing? Cause I have no idea, but yeah, it's definitely less deadly than we thought for, for sure. Absolutely. Don't even get me started on all that
1: shit, <laughs> with, the yeah. government, with the government tell you what yeah that doesn't happen our government's always honest with us always I mean come on look at Benghazi was a video too and and there there was it wasn't a coordinated attack or nothing yeah me me and he go around and around about some of that stuff so well it is what it is brother and I'm glad you're, you're still and I listen to the bias I listen to uh Ian sent me one of the songs, and I listened yeah, to pity. it. Yeah, I, pity. I pity is still my favorite. Wow, you're, Well, you're you're doing what you did when when I was at Range Battalion and we were listening to Corn. When I was listening to Follow the Leader, I was listening to all. And that's that's Ranger Battalion music. That's the stuff we were kicking in the in the uh, Battalion Fitness Center. That's the stuff when I went down range. Before you get out the gate, you're turning on Corn. You're turning on Slipknot. You're turning on uh, who was uh, we had Slipknot. You're turning on Rage. And you're just jumping up and down on those light armor vehicles, getting ready to go out the gate, getting pumped up. So, man, listen to that again. It just brought me back. It brought me back a lot of memories to the early 2000s. And and yeah. man, I'm telling you, your music means a lot. And I don't play it lightly. When Ian says, man, the veterans listen to you. They respect you. Your music. got us through a lot of those deployments brother i'm telling you and and you you're in particular because you you're you made corn what it was i I don't think the sound was the same once you left and not knocking the guys i I still like jonathan davis's voice i was crazy grumbling when he when he had wc doing the crip walk and all that other that's cool but the songs that you made were the ones that that we listened to man so um and and did i asked jimmy allen the same thing i want to ask you the same thing were you doing that at the time just to make me, did you know it was having effect on the military world? Did you even play into your mind that that stuff was what we were listening to when we were training, when we were going through all our deployments? Or are you finding out about this now? I see the flag in the background, so obviously I know you're patriotic. Was that ever in your mind, or did that come after when guys like myself were telling you, man, your shit kept us going? Your stuff kept us going.
3: Back when I was still in the band, people were still sending fan letters, and we got – thousands of fan letter from military personnel and i always remember when we go to norfolk virginia we would play and at least 70 percent of the people were in army fatigues when we play so i used to always bug the guys whenever we would go across europe or even the united states i always tried to get our managers and our band to go play on military bases and do free shows and they never wanted to do it and then i think maybe four or five years ago they played a couple shows in germany on a military base. And I was thinking the whole entire time I was in the band, I used to bug everybody. Let's go do shows on military bases. And nobody wanted to do it.
1: Yeah, that's... yeah that, that that's ridiculous well brother you you were you were there whether you were there in in uh in body you were damn near there in spirit and i always remember watching the videos and i'd watch you come out i'm like yeah there's the yoke guy they got all the all the guys in the band and i was like who is the dude with the tank top and he's all jacked man <laughs> He's on. The, and then i was like oh that's because I, I didn't know i just knew you were the drummer i'm like holy shit that dude is it is dude's pretty ripped up. I think I need to listen to these guys for a little bit more. So, uh, and I said, I've seen some of your other pictures now. Are you doing a lot of, looks like you're doing powerlifting, man. Are you doing a lot of that stuff or are you just, you just avid weightlifter? Are you just avid sure. getting in the gym?
3: You know what? I wouldn't say really powerlifting, but since, since I left the band, I have probably put on about 15 pounds of muscle um, just because it upped my protein intake and started kind of working out a little bit different. I was pretty lean and kind of, kind of thin when I was in the band. But,
1: um, I, I wouldn't I've say that, dude, you're, now. I would say you're lean, you were lean, but you weren't thin, dude. You're, you're still pretty, you're, you're, you were look like a guy that was in shape, dude. And that's a compliment. And, Thank I, you. but, but, bro I, I, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were avid, avid. I had no idea that you were avid in the weights and stuff. And, and, um, I, maybe after Ian has a question, because I got a ton of questions and I just come stumbling. Well, you know
0: what? Thoughts. I'll I'll actually. This is a nice little transition. I talked to you Dave could, about could. this the last time we were on, so I know this story, but the audience might not know. Do, not, not I want I want
1: to know the story. Tell
0: well, me. you'll you're... think this is great. So this is when you were saying how how uh, you were like lean and in shape at the height of the corn days. That's when you did the Calvin Klein ad, which I thought was badass. It was oh cool. shit, and of I course, forgot about
1: that. Of Bucky course, Mark Corey Taylor.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Corey Taylor came out, uh, and this was like early slipknot, took out the picture of you and Calvin Klein and said, This is, you know, rock star bullshit that we don't like. And I think he burned the photo of you. And you told me you got a chance to confront him about doing that.
3: No shit. I, mean, I, gotta I hear this. Shit. We were at a festival in Europe. I don't even remember which festival because there's tons of festivals. There's a whole festival season in Europe for hard rock music. And we were just crossing paths backstage one day, and he he was like ten feet walking in, in the opposite direction. And I looked over at him, and he kind of put his head down, and I and I swayed over next to him and, and I slowed slowed down really slow and I said, You got something to say to me? And he didn't say a word and, and we just kept walking. And that that was really it, it wasn't really a big deal.
0: It's yeah. still funny though. It's still a funny story, I think, because you know just all those years later of him you know, giving you shit for what something that I think is cool, and I know Chris could relate to it because a lot of people gave you shit for doing the sunglass commercial. Oh, which you stand yeah, behind, you know, like, yeah.
1: And then I actually well, I did my own little shirt off commercial on a gu- shirt off ad on a gun magazine called Ballistic. But I don't like you said, he gives a shit. I, I, yeah, I did it. Yeah. So, what, what, well, what? The, the whole reason I
3: did that ad was because I don't know if you guys remember when uh, the first. Uh,
1: dir dirt
3: I guess they call them dirty jeans when the first the fad came out where jeans yeah. were ripped yep. and torn yeah. and all that shit yep. Yep. Well, that that was Calvin Klein introducing their version of dirty jeans so it wasn't like underwear or anything like that it was it was it was called dirty denim is what it was for so it was basically advertising Calvin Klein's uh, version of ripped up all messed up, dirty jeans. So it was like I was doing underwear ads or anything like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing something Paul Stanley said, but, you know, I know you went through it when Follow the Leader blew up. Like, your fan base of probably people my age were like, these guys are sellouts. They're now playing stadiums. They're playing arenas. And I remember Paul Stanley from Kissing. Like, if you think I got in the music business to play – in a venue of like a dozen people like you're fucking wrong that's not why I did this like I wanted our band to be huge
3: yeah absolutely
0: yeah, yeah.
3: I mean I don't think anybody gets in the music business hoping to only sell out a 400 seat club or something like that I think everyone goes in with I hopes and dreams of to eventually sell out arenas or stadiums absolutely
1: well, bro, I I got a question for you and something I want to know. And I always want this for our listeners because we get a ton of veterans that listen, or we get military personnel, or 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 kids aspiring to go into the military. Um, but as you were coming up before you even went in, what, and you may have been asked this before, but what was your driving force? What what kept you to keep going? Because I know you hit a lot of obstacles. You, I, obviously, you're going to to get to the success that you are. And then once you reach that success, you hit another obstacle where you know th- th- you you separated from the band. But then you pushed on again. What what kept that drive in you? How did you maintain that intestinal fortitude? Is what we call it in the military to continue to to succeed and just and just continue to push through all those obstacles? And any little anecdotal uh, uh, you know testimony you can give us it, it it helps because it does help people out there. That are going through problems right now we get a lot of them we get a lot of listeners and i'm not afraid to talk about my failures and obstacles and I, I i'd like to hear some that you've been through and and what has made you what that man that jacked up individual you are today with the flag in the background brother <laughs> I, i'd like to know
0: um
3: well my, my final days of core which most people don't even know was um i actually broke my back like holy a couple, wow a couple months before um i left the band um, I was on my way to a video shoot. I was actually working out of my house. I was doing some squats with some heavy dumbbells. I had a TV above me. I squatted oh. down, and I arched my back to at the TV, and I fell backwards. Oh. And, and I broke my lowest two vertebrae in my back, and I didn't even know it. Um, and I went to a video shoot that day. all hunched over and, and crawled up on a drum riser and played the, the video shoot.
0: Well, uh, by the way, which video? Was this like Twisted Transistor? Because I'm thinking timeline.
3: Um, no. I. Uh, sh- I think it was the very last video we shot for it. It was after Twisted Transistor. Okay. Definitely after. Um, so a- after that, I was suffering major pain in my back, and um, it just kind of led to me kind of pulling away and just saying, "I need, I need to take a break from this." Um, just being a major pain. I ended up having this surgery, and I got screws and pins in my back and a synthetic disc, all kinds, all kinds of nonsense. Um, oh, wow. That, that was bad. Yeah. But I mean, as far as coming back and playing music again, I mean, I, ne- I never lost my love for music. I mean, I've always, I've always loved playing drums and always loved playing music. It was just a kind of a matter of finding the right guys and, um, you know, guys that think alike as far as their writing and their taste in music. And um, I f- finally found the right, right crew of guys, and now we're, we're making good music. We've got, as I said, we've got ten songs fully recorded, unreleased, ready to go as soon as this thing opens up and we can uh, have a chance to send them to some managers and see what we can do.
1: Uh, yeah, and we'll get we'll make sure we get them out there too on our stuff. I'm I, I obviously going to do that. Um, man, back injuries. I don't know. And you kept playing with that back injury with the broken with the broken back. See, so see people out there you push through it. You can push through all the pain in yeah. the world, and you're still out there hitting the drums. That's dude. That's badass. That, that is. That's that's some toughness right there. It, it, it didn't um, feel good. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and where you did it got some numbness with. I, and again, Dave, I don't. You're are you a drinker? Or no. I, again, I I I used to be. I don't drink a whole bunch anymore. So, but I would say uh, during that during that time, if I had a broken back, I'd be hitting the Jack Daniels a little bit just to numb that pain up a bit. But God dang, brother, I I admire you, man. That's that's a cool story. Really it, cool story. It was
3: it was no fun. It, and and I was actually misdiagnosed from a doctor, and I walked around it <laughs> for almost a
1: year. For how long? A year. Almost
3: a year. Yeah. Until Holy I went to a special you see, Irvine.
1: Holy shit. Oh, that's yeah, unbelievable. Did, did you keep lifting or you keep going in the gym and, and hitting or did you just have to take time off and just say, screw it. It's just an injury. I'm going to deal with it. I had
3: to stop. Yeah, I to totally ah. stopped. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It, was, it got to the point I could only walk about 20 yards and I have to sit down. And that's when um, uh, a, a very close person to me said, hey, you should go see this person. you a see your that fixed my back. And I went in. He looked at my old x-ray and he said, I, I can see from across the room your back's been broken for almost a year
0: holy shit oh my lord it was bad that's crazy how long was it that you had to stay off playing drums stay away from weights I mean all this stuff that you love that's your outlet
3: Uh, after my back surgery it was a good eight nine months
0: damn dude I mean that's got to be it's got to be really depressing because I I just know from you as a fan and you've spoken about your your outlets are your weight training and and playing music and when you can't do that I mean how do you push through that
3: um a lot of boredom, a lot of booze, <laughs> sitting
1: on my couch. Uh honestly <laughs> taking pills. <laughs> hey bro, we have I've been, I've, been, I've been there, man. I the pills, the the numbing everything up the pain, whether it's emotional, mental, or physical, when you do it and then you find a way to get through it. And you, and you did. You obviously did. You came out of it. Yeah. Uh, those low and I'm sure that was a low point in your life, brother. Absolutely. Um, Hey bro, can you tell me, I know with the new band, and you've got the new band Bias, and I want to talk a little bit about your days with Korn too, I know you're always going to get that, sure. but with the, uh, with the new band, uh, with your guys there, and I don't know any of the members, I'm not familiar with their names, but How did you find him, and and how does it feel now? I know you said you found the right crew. How did that happen? I mean, how does it come together, and how do you not feel a little bit jaded or a little skeptical when you meet a new member like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to go through what I went before and keep an open mind. And just keep it – just say, hey, I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm bringing these guys in. Give them the benefit of the doubt and see if they work out because it would be hard. It would be hard for me to have that negativity inside me be like, man, I don't want to go through what I went through again. Um, with another group, and and not have that open mind or the positive mental state that obviously you had before
3: bias was actually formed. I was playing with a couple of other friends, and and they actually introduced me with with uh, a couple of guys that are, that are now part of bias. Um, so at first it was a different version with a different singer, um, and then we brought in a couple guys that are in bias now. Um, eventually we got rid of the singer because he wasn't very good, uh, <laughs> but but we just the guys in bias we just instantly formed bond. And um, we, we, our, our vision of how to write songs, that, that's a big deal. As uh, you know, w- when you're trying to write a song and you're going part to part, it, it's just all about who who, uh, who comes up with the next part and how it's perceived. And th- these guys, we, we're all on the same page, which is c- kind of rare, actually, for, for five, a five piece band to all be on the same page. Like, I mean, probably 75 percent of the time we're all on the same page about a direction of a song, which is pretty rare. Um, but, but we've we've managed to form a bond and a friendship that's it's it's really um, I mean I, I don't mean to badmouth it but I mean it was probably it's probably better than corn ever was even at the beginning as far as yeah. the friendship and the yeah and that uh, I, I think some of that has to do with our age though because we were pretty young when corn we
1: yeah. when corn started so yeah. I think people realize that because you were teamwork and uh, one of the best teams I've ever, I ever had, I was in Kandahar, Afghanistan, and we just got along. And honestly, that's probably the only place I ever was in 10 years as with the team that we all got along, but you still had to succeed. You still had to complete the mission, which and. in, you're not so it short, but that sounds like how it was with with you and Corn. You guys were extremely successful, but you always didn't all get along, and that's that's the case with a lot of guys downrange too. That's how I think I would relate to some of the music. Um, but now you're with, uh, and that's at the best team I were in Canada where we did get along. Bias, obviously, you guys are getting along. Fantastic, dude. This this is bringing back memories of of all my deployments and my training there, man, and my time at Fort Lewis. So. I appreciate it. This is therapeutic for me. Whether all you listeners get anything out of this, I don't give a shit. This is good for me right now. So
3: we're <laughs> I, I think you can um, go on probably YouTube and find it. Um, I don't remember the circumstances, but we had some kind of contest. And forgive me, I can't remember if we flew out of Germany or if we flew out of London. Um, but we chartered a big plane and we we everyone took like i took a miniature drum set and they took little miniature amplifiers and we chartered a big plane and we filled it full of military personnel that were coming back to the u.s to new york
2: wow and,
3: um, and we flew i don't remember if we left germany or you it's, it's on the internet you can find it there, there's some footage of it and we chartered a plane and held like uh, like 75 people and we filled it with military personnel coming back to new york and we actually Played live on this plane. I played this little mini drum set, and the guys were playing the little <laughs> amp. And um, it, we, it was it was it was amazing. I, I don't even know. Um, shit, I wish I remember if it was from Germany. For some reason, I think it may have been from Germany. But we filled this plane and flew back to New York City um, with with a, a plane full of military personnel coming home. It was pretty. It, I'm not even sure how the thing got started, but it was
1: it was a pretty amazing experience to talk to these guys. Uh, how That's the cool. hell did you do that? Is a am- I mean, it must have been on a 17 or a C5 or something bigger. And it's probably Lance or Stuttgart, I'm sure. But, I've I've never seen that. That has got to be. How do you play drums on a flying movie, especially in Turbulence? Did you just hit the, you know, when you hit Turbulence, what do you do? Oh, I meant to do that. It just (laughs) sounded. It it, it was actually a kid's, a little mini kid's drum set. Oh, Uh, the little itty bitty. Oh, it it was was a little
3: tiny kid's drum set. So we put it in the exit row.
0: That's so cool, man. That's a funny story. You know what that I wanted to ask awesome. you about when you talk about like the turbulence with the relationship with corn and and that you really are getting along with the guys that you're with now. Do you think it was uh, like too much fame, too fast? Because for me, you know, I grew up on corn. I was probably 12, 13. I think I mentioned to you in the last uh, interview when I was bar mitzvah. I had like a corn <laughs> theme. I swear I, I still have it in my parents' basement. It says Ian's bar mitzvah and the R's are, you know, the way the R's looked in corn because I loved you guys. So this is like me geeking out. But but when you really think about it, 93 to 2006, it's. It, probably felt like a long time in some ways but it's only 13 years and it probably flew by in some aspect and to go from when you started with the band you were a young teenager do you think it was just like too much success too fast the guys all dividing living in different places did it make it hard
3: um honestly without getting into too much detail it really didn't get hard until about our fourth record and, and that was because of attitudes changing within the band. And as far as the relationship with our managers, um, that's what kind of set in the, the, uh, the, the division between the
1: band members. But I don't want to really get into details about what
3: happened there, but I guess. Uh, sure, I, don't. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't worry about that, bro. Yeah, not up, at all. up until that, to...
3: up until that, everything was really good. And I would say after our fourth record or during our fourth record is when everyone kind of started pulling away from each other and not being as close as we were in our first three records, and um, it, it kind of separated from there. It kind of, it, it kind of uh, drove down my my passion, and my interest for the band. Yeah.
0: No, I, it, I fully understand that. And, and you know what I was going to ask about, too, is one thing that I think is kind of rare about Corn and Chris knows I'm, I'm a music nerd, and I look at the credits, and even as a kid, I would always look at the liner notes. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure on all those albums you were on, or at least the original albums, you guys all shared songwriting credits. Yeah, we, we
3: wrote everything as a band. No, no one really wrote anything as an individual. We wrote everything in the studio together. Um, so, so, yeah, it was all equal songwriting credits on everything.
0: So you're still, I, I assume, getting some nice checks from when a corn album is on a TV show in a movie, <laughs> which happens.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Royalties are flowing.
0: Hell yeah, man. That's <laughs> good. Glad to hear it,
1: it. it. Well, and you deserve that. Again, hard work. You, you worked your ass off. Why not to yeah. deserve it? Absolutely. Hey, I, 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 I didn't ask you this, but I, but when you mentioned that you you, you wanted to go, and, and I know you're pushing to play for the troops. Why at the beginning yeah, they didn't want to do? Can you tell me? I wanted to just as a, as a troop. Why not? Why is it because of money? They didn't want to go, and I'm I don't know who they were. I don't care who they were. I just want to. What's the reasoning behind not wanting to go play for the troops? Does it come down to money? And that makes sense. Hey, I come on. We live in a capitalist society. You're- I understand that.
3: Honestly, I never really got a straight answer for them because my my ideas were when we were already booked, getting paid for a local show, and there was sure, like a, uh, yeah, 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 and and, and there, there was a, um, a a base nearby. I would say, mm-hmm. let's go try to set up. A, it's not going to hurt our show. We're already getting paid to play, you know, a few miles down the road, or whatever next night. Let, let's go set up a troop. Uh, I'm sorry, let's go set up a, a, a show at a base. Um, no one just really seemed interested in it.
0: Well, I Man. know in I know in recent years you've been like a vocal supporter of the military, yeah. supporter of the NRA, um and and you are very open about your politics. The cool thing is, I mean, Korn was never a political band. Uh you know, you were not like rage against the machine. The songs were more about inner turmoil, dealing with emotions in your lives. Um yeah, when, were you were did you always have these beliefs or was it, you know, after Korn that you wanted to come out there and say this is what I stand for. This is why I'm proud to be an American.
3: Well, my political beliefs would be this. Smaller government, lower taxes, less regulations, um, strong as hell, huge full-on military. I mean, and if you want to take all those things and, and, and decide which party lines I, I go on, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. But, I mean, to me, I would think those are just all – pro-american views not 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 left or right i, I yeah. would hope that every american would think okay lower taxes jobs incentives lower regulations jobs incentives, strong yeah. military. military we didn't have our strong military for people like chris to protect us we probably wouldn't even be here on this call right now we oh. wouldn't be able to do anything without our military um so i mean for, for that I'd say thank you for your service because you oh, people brother. like you have given all of us the opportunity to do everything we do in this day in this Thanks, entire man. country, every single day we owe, we owe a military. So, I mean, if you want to categorize me as left or right for, for having all
1: those, I just think those are American beliefs, not left or right beliefs. See, I, and I, I agree with you, bro. I, I, you know, I, I did. I got into the, the side when Benghazi when happened. I did. I got in. Hey, let's pick a side. And and I never had picked a side when I was deploying. I think a lot of us, a lot of the guys I served with, we didn't pick a side. We just did the job because we enjoyed the job. It wasn't. I ain't going over country. because exactly. I, I well, because President Bush is in office, I'm going. Oh, fuck you! I'm not doing that because of him. I'm going over because I want to go over and protect. And and just like let's be realistic, I liked it. I had fun. I was enjoying what I was doing. Over there, but and I was enjoying being with my buddies, so I you know I, I agree with that. And whatever party line somebody wants it, well then you put me on that party line. I'm not putting myself on that party line. And with you saying that, those are American values. That's what I believe in. And, and whether I like a president or not, I don't give a shit. Most values are never going to change. And I know I know we got to get into it. We will segue to it because I'm i are waiting. But I know you're NRA. We're going to talk about guns in a little bit because I want to know what you're carrying. I'm going to get we're going we're going to break that. <laughs> hey, use NRA support. I know your Second Amendment, dude. If if anybody wants to give you shit out there about it, we can. They can meet me behind the stage, like you met Corey Taylor, and we can talk about it at that point in <laughs> time. Um, but no, I you know getting in that, and I appreciate that. And that's why I wanted to have you on because I think people need to see that too. That they see the Rocky area, they see California, or they even assume with Hollywood that everybody's. Everybody's anti-gun, anti-this, and I'm like, no, guys, they're they're not. There's a lot that are extremely, extremely strong, and they don't just do the vocal. I sort of I support the military and just check the box. They actually do, and that's why that's why you know, you are breaking whatever stereotypes people believe out there within the people that in the in the in the in the in the, uh, in the music business. So um, we'll get into that. Uh, enough patting you on the back and sucking your because I have been. Um, Let's <laughs> I, I do I want to get into it because we haven't talked about it. I, dude, I want to get into your guns, man. I have I've rep a lot of gun companies. Unless it's going to hurt you down the line. No, screw it. I want to talk about it anyway. <laughs> what, what are you, you know, where are you at? Where do you live, first of all? And are you allowed to carry because some of the states, you're not in California still, are you? You're not I out am, there. I am Calif- California. Are you Northern California though? Or are you are you Southern California? Southern California, Orange County. Orange, Orange Actually, Orange County's out of all of them it's not a bad play i know a lot of the gang unit guys down there they're good guys actually for the most part but when are you are you do are you carrying are you not every day but what do you what do you like to shoot what do you get when can you shoot what do you prefer those kind because our, our listeners want to know that i i want to know that
3: you know i really don't have that many guns i i've got i've got a glock nine millimeter and i've got a mossberg shotgun
0: that's, and I, that's I all you need, need, man. I'm also a New Yorker, <laughs> so it's like the, uh, we, we both have the tyrannical gun laws going on. <laughs> you more so than me. Yeah,
3: the, the Mossberg ATI tactical shotgun.
0: That is a yeah. badass
1: shotgun, bro. That's a great yeah. home defense weapon right there. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that's – those. That my,
3: when I bought it, I bought the I bought the critical mass shells. <laughs>
1: oh, my Lord. Dude. <laughs> yeah, don't don't break into – yeah, don't break into days ever. Ever, idiots <laughs> this, out there, don't do and that. I, and I buy them,
3: and then I find out if I shoot them in my house, they're going to go through my wall and into my neighbor's house.
1: No, <laughs> so that's what we, we got to be careful. We, we do teach that. Like, guys, if you're going to shoot, remember, you're spo- – and I say that. You're responsible for that round. If that round yeah. – even if you get the bad guy and it goes through and it hits your neighbor – Guess who's going to jail too? You're going yeah. to jail too, and we, and we do teach that a lot when I do my. <laughs> I, I bought smaller
0: rounds. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, <laughs> small, but
1: those are still good to have. It makes you feel good. I, t- yeah. I, it's it's like Johnny Dangerously. This gun's gonna go through that wall, that school, that church, that. Uh, it's a movie, guys. It's not me, Johnny Dangerously. Am I dating myself? Am I that old? Ian's like, what the fuck movie are you talking about?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm. i
1: Michael Keaton. Never mind. Um. No, the Mossberg – actually, when I was doing anti, anti-piracy stuff on ships, I carried a Mossberg. I carried that exact same gun for the Somali pirates when they were boarding – when they would try to board American ships. That was another fun contract I used to do. Great gun, dude. I, and you're always welcome on a battle line tactical course. That's my company. If you were in the area, you come out and shoot, dude. You, I mean, you're always welcome to come and pew-pew. Come and pew. we, we travel everywhere. Actually, I'm heading to Chicago, South Chicago, to teach a course uh, tomorrow. And um, but we'll. It's mainly when we get to California. Yeah, brother, we're getting up to the Valley. We don't find a lot of ranges down in Orange County. It's usually Fresno, and above. But I'll I'll definitely let you. I'll
0: definitely let you know. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You know what I, I I was wondering about. You went. You made the transition right from doing. Really growing up playing these venues that you've been playing in in more recent months, whether it's the Whiskey, the Troubadour, all the places I listed, from going to doing soccer stadiums, arenas. you know, I, I got to see guys at Madison Square Garden way back in the day. How does it feel playing those small venues again? I mean, do you enjoy the more intimate crowds? And you're playing with bands like Orgy that you have a history with. And probably some of the crowd who came out for Orgy... Didn't even know who Bias was. And they're like, that's Dave Silvera behind the drum kit. <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm sure they did. It's, it's been, I mean, some
0: sometimes the shows
3: are really great. And other times it's kind of frustrating going back to these really small venues. But I mean, overall, we're having a great time and we're loving what we're doing. And we're just hoping for this COVID thing to go away. So these managers that we've contacted will show some attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Think. And I've heard that some of these... Like these classic venues on the Sunset Strip may be going away. Like I'm hearing things about the Troubadour because are they going to be able to last a whole year without shows? I mean, these are smaller venues that rely on a band like Orgy and Bias packing, packing in a show. And if they don't have that, they're not bringing in revenue. I mean, it goes back to the same things we were talking about with taxes and the economy. Uh it, it does worry me, man. Is it just going to be a staple center in LA? And for every you know band trying to come up, they're they're not going to have anywhere to play. It's it's a weird situation right now.
3: Uh, I, honestly, I have no idea how most of these small bars and restaurants and, and music venues are going to survive. I mean, they everyone's falling so behind on the rent. Um, I, I'm just worried that so many of them are going to disappear. It's going to change the face of our economy for for generations. Yeah. I, I really don't know what to think.
2: And
0: and by the way, you're someone who has an experience with that because you did own a restaurant at one time. So, I mean, you know what it's like to make payroll and all that. Yeah, I, I own two restaurants
3: and the, the, the profit margin in a restaurant is so slim. When you hear on TV about these restaurants being open at, at, at limited capacity, they would be lucky at limited capacity to even be able to pay their rent that they would wow. not be able to pay any salaries, I, I, any kind of... Uh, basically any bills any property taxes i mean it's, it's almost better to just completely keep it closed than to even open at a limited capacity
1: it's crazy wow. yeah wow
3: yeah i mean the oh. profit margin on a restaurant is so <clears throat> slim if you're not at capacity most of the time you're not making money
1: now your restaurants are you still have those dave are they still already have you you've got you've useless are you suffering with the rest of with the rest of the small uh business a right few years ago thank god oh wow yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's too bad. Give me, you know, with, with what's going on, I'd like to hear, this is a platform recommendation. man. What do you suggest? What do you think should happen with me? And Ian and I have different thoughts. Of course, I'm in Nebraska. He's in New York, so we're seeing different things. I'm like, hell, open it all up. Screw this shit. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. But And then I, I don't know if Ian's on the completely other spectrum, but he doesn't see it that way, which is fine. We're in different areas. I, I want to know your opinion, and, and it's good to start having those opinions out there now. Because we are hitting a point where, where the where people are going to suffer more than just having the virus, they're going to lose their livelihoods. They're they're losing everything, not just their lives, but they're losing. And and then in turn, when they lose their livelihoods, they could lose their lives too. Depression and suicide. So, um, what do you, you think? You already know there's a big uptick on deb-
3: domestic violence and suicide. Oh yeah, all kinds yeah. Of yeah. It's, it's yeah. going in the wrong directions. I, I think um, depending on the city, obviously they're huge, heavily populated cities. They need to be sure much more closely that's obvious but there are so many cities around the country that i think it would be completely safe to open up social distancing masks um you know just just uh, hand sanitizer all over the place and i think it would honestly be fine i mean especially outside places with patios um we're finding out more and more that it's it's not communicable as, as much as they thought off of uh, off of Uh, uh, like shells and and, and yeah, it's it's not even that bad. So I I think um, I would say, except for the heavily populated areas that they need to be more careful, I think we should open this thing up.
0: Yeah, no, I I would personally agree with that. And you know, what's crazy is, I mean, I've said it before on the show, I'm currently in Nassau County, Long Island. Other than uh, Queens and the Bronx, we're being hit the hardest in the country. So I do understand the slow opening up here, but we slowly are opening up. In your area, with Gavin Newsom, it's actually been completely out of control because you don't have it nearly as bad as New York, and this guy is like, we're not going to open up anything until what, yeah. July, August?
3: <laughs> Especially here in Orange County. The, the rate here in Orange County is really low. Um, and, I mean, everywhere I go, everyone's wearing masks. Every Everyone's flocking to the hand sanitizer. I mean, you go to a grocery store, there's people with sanitation wipes wiping down all the cars before you even take a cart. I mean, they're being very careful here. But I mean, Orange County has a very low infection rate um, and there, there's a whole downtown area with super high expensive rent and all the hours, bars, bars and restaurants. And they've been closed for two and a half months now. And, and, and I honestly think maybe maybe 40 percent of them are going to come back and the rest of them are going to have to close their doors for good. I've got friends that own these places down there and, and most of them are saying they're probably not going to be able to come back.
0: It's wow. crazy. Yes, it's yeah. unbelievable. Um. I want to shift gears here a little bit and go back to some corn stuff uh, because I think a lot of our listeners have probably read about this and and maybe even you too, uh, Chris. I see David smiling already. So this is at least I'm thinking because I'm smiling. (laughs) The 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 recording sessions for Follow the Leader are legendary in the amount of money you guys spent on booze, the amount of money (laughs) it's spent recording that album. Tell us like a cool story from the Follow the Leader sessions. Um,
1: that you can that you can tell without incriminating yourself because <laughs> you you can't confirm or deny, and we can't we, we can edit it out, but but I, yeah it's, it's I'd love to hear that too. I would I would being that age I was when I was listening to it because I was full of debauchery at range of the time when we were listening to that. so nah, believe me, and I'll tell you you tell me a story. I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I mine. Tip for ten. how about that.
3: when we recorded Fall of the leader, um we rented a house in the Hollywood Hills because at the time everyone lived in Orange County which uh, in the studio was actually in the Valley. So that was about an hour and a half drive each way. So we didn't want to drive after, because after a day of recording with these, you know, these headphones on and hearing the loud music in your ears, you're, you're completely fried. When you come out of the studio, I mean, your ears are ringing. I mean, it's actually kind of hard to get in a car and drive an hour and a half home. Um, <laughs> so, so, so we rented a house in the Hollywood Hills and um, it, it was kind of a house up, up on a hill where the main story was actually the second story, so it had a balcony looking over the backyard. And um, after our recording studio sessions, we ended up always, for some reason, having 25 people at our house every night after recording sessions. And we, start, <laughs> we started throwing beer cans and liquor bottles over, over, the, over the balcony <laughs> into the backyard, surrounded by a chain-link fence. And, and after the first or second night, um, we, we had our, our crew guys, they were cleaning up the backyard, for some reason, after the first or second night, we told them, we said, don't clean them, don't clean them up anymore. Let's just see what happens. So by, by the time the uh, oh, recording was done, there was about three and a half, four feet in the entire backyard, all the way up to the chain link fence of beer bottles, beer cans, and liquor bottles.
0: Holy oh. shit. Man, I, think, <laughs> I,
3: I think they recycled it. And they got a couple thousand dollars from the. Recycling. Are you shitting me?
1: <laughs> okay. I don't have that cool of a story. That's actually a pretty cool story. <laughs> I just got cool at drink, drinking and passing out in the team room. That's
3: yeah, about, really, uh, <laughs> about 225,000 on, on liquor on that record.
0: Yeah, oh, which is, God. which is legendary because I've seen articles written about that, that like the follow the leader sessions were the height of debauchery. I mean, looking back, was it a fun time or you were just like, I was out of control
3: both (laughs) but but the but the good thing was um is is i didn't drink before i before i would i would uh i would record and i didn't drink i can count on one hand how many shows i've played drunk throughout the entire career of corn i can count on one hand the entire the amount of shows i played drunk um i I was always disciplined about that i never recorded drunk i never went on stage i I take it back one hand (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> a playing a playing shows drunk. The other guys, they would drink all day and, and just go sloppy as hell on stage. But I, I just never did it. I just because being the timekeeper, I mean, if I go off, everybody goes off. Yeah. So yeah. Be, before recording and before playing live, I never I would never drink. But when it was over, you know, I would, I would, I would pop it up when I go for it.
1: Well, that's it. That's the end of the day. That's that's the end of the, it's It's just yeah. like coming back from a mission, coming back from a training off, coming back from a from an op out, yeah, hey, that's the end of the day. You got to decompress, and I can't do it now. I I can't drink a drink without feeling hungover in the morning because I'm so damn old and I think my kidneys are shot anyway. But no, I yeah, coming back from an coming back from an op, back from an op in, in whether it was Iraq or Afghanistan or whether I was in Libya or, and sitting down and yeah, of course I'm gonna have a drink or two, and that's the way to come down and, and a way to to decompress a bit. And I'm sure you you with all that music, everything just amped up in the frown of all them people. You're going to have that adrenaline, that amped up feeling, and you got to come down some way. At least, at least alcohol. I don't, I don't remember. And again, I never read anything, you know, you talk about. It, but I don't remember any, you ever having. Maybe I'm off because Ian, Ian, I'm always off. Ian will correct me, Chris. He was, so, I, but I, I don't ever remember hearing about you and substance abuse or anything like that. So no. uh, you know, that's and that's at younger ages, we're going to drink a little bit. And and that's, but that's that's good to hear. That I love that story. I wanted to hear that story too because I. Wanna hear how high those bottles went up and if that was the truth or it was just some. I was some actually nonsense. Pretty,
3: pretty pretty under control during during tour. I mean, w- when we finished the set, I would always pop a beer, but I mean I was still going to the gym and working out when we were on tour all the time. So just being hung over all the time, it just didn't really fit into my to my to my style. Yeah, right.
0: it makes sense. Yeah. I, I think like every member of porn, it seems like has gone through some type of transformation. And and being someone who's followed all the members, it's it's like Fieldy has become more spiritual. I know Head was the first one to really become more spiritual. Jonathan had a crazy year in terms of uh, his wife dying and uh, you know his own addiction problems. And I know for you, you've gone through your own problems too, especially as you mentioned with your back and now you're doing your own yeah. thing, man. So I think probably those years of debauchery really changed people and made them want to uh, become better, better people. I mean, you can't go on living like that forever. A lot of the guys who do end up dying young you know we see robin crosby from rat and a million other guys who are no longer with us
3: yeah absolutely i mean these days i i I, I drink but um i'm more of a either a wine or i just drink scotch and water just because of literally the sugar content as chris was saying the hangover yeah so yeah scotch and water is great hardly any sugar
1: Hardly any hangover. I mean, it's good. We're just straight one. <clears throat> it's, and then that, that's the weirdest thing is that yeah, the the hangovers now. I, I I had I shared a I shared a drink of scotch with my wife last night, and I still slept. I slept till ten this morning because I'm, I can't I can't do it. Anymore. We're Bro, I remember – and this is what I would used to do to haze. When I was a team leader at Rangemont Town, I used, to haze my, 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 I used to haze my privates. That sounded like I was that, – doesn't that sound awful? I'm hazing my privates. But I did that too. <laughs> but what I would do – because I could run, and I could run drunk. We would oh. drink till 3 or 4 in the morning, and then, all right, guys, let's get your shuffle. And we're going out and running five miles. And that was one of my things to, to, to haze them, to make them quit, to see if they're going to – because I could do it now – I can't have a sip and not sleep till ten next morning because I just am so feel like such dog shit, dog shit. So you're, you're, you've been you're drinking straight scotch. Uh, we we're actually no, and it was even mixed. No, she she put scotch in and she mixed it. Oh, there's the sugar. Shit, there you go. I know what you're getting at. I'm a dumbass. All right, yeah, got it. Scotch and water.
2: I got to do the scotch <laughs> and
1: water. There it was. It was the yeah. sugar. There's the recommendation. Ah, uh, God. Okay, for all you old farts out there. Well, they probably all know it. I'm just an idiot that doesn't. I got it. No sugar. No sugar so after midnight.
0: When we um, <laughs> when we like. wrap up this interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the uh, <laughs> I'm gonna play uh the song "Pity" from Bias that we were play, that we were talking about before, because I really want the audience to hear what you're currently up to and just that classic drum style that you have. <laughs> that's I think been missing from the forefront of rock music. Uh, for people who have listened to your music over the years, I mean, how what. What artists help you develop your style? Because I do think you have an extremely unique style of drumming. Yeah. Put on bias, you're like, there it is. And it's it's been missing. Um,
3: my early days, my favorite drummer was Mike Patton from Faith No More and Tim Alexander from Primus.
1: Great. Ah, and wow.
3: Then, and then yeah. later on, fast forward to biased times. Um, my favorite drummer has probably been Tim Alexander um, and Carter Buford from Dave Matthews.
0: Oh wow! Interesting. People would not expect you to be a Dave Matthews guy.
3: Carter Buford is one of the best guys ever. He's amazing.
1: Dave. Hey, Dave, Dave Matthews. I, the ants come marching. Is that ants marching? That's a, that's on my workout playlist. I love. And it was that part of it is just because that beat. That they have going on. But I don't know the drummers for shit. See, that's, don't even try to get me started. I still think band members are alive in certain bands that I still listen to. He has to correct me. He's like, dude, no, that dude passed away like 10 years ago. Oh shit, I just heard him on Octane. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, that's amazing to hear, bro. I, I, can I ask you a uh, question? You're, sure. now I don't know if you're still married or not. You, are you, you're currently, are you still married? You're still married, right?
3: Or see, am I going to yes. get it wrong?
1: Am I, get, you are.
3: Yes, I, I am married. She's right. a
1: school teacher and she has a concealed carry license. Are you nice. shit? <laughs>
2: that,
1: that was actually my next question. I would say, does she shoot too? Or does yeah. she take. Does, does, is she better shot than you, brother? I'm going to start shit. I like starting family uh, squabbles. You know what? She <laughs> actually goes to shooting classes, so I bet she probably
3: is. I, <laughs> she, her, then I can take it all.
1: <laughs> oh, man. That's amazing. That, and she's a school teacher and she's. For all your school teachers out there, you heard it here. It's okay. You do need to protect yourselves. That's that's what grade does she, that what is she, uh what grade does she teach if you don't mind me asking? My mom was a school teacher and just something to relate to, I guess. 4th grade. Are you kidding me? Yeah, is then that scary 4th grade and you got to do a but you got to. You got to nowadays, man. It's it's a scary place out there. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> How many kid and kids? You I don't want to go by Wikipedia yeah, yeah I, I have
3: a previous marriage and i have a 20 year old and a 22 year old
1: they they in the band they follow in dad's footsteps at all are they going to go mil- do i need to talk to him about going to the military rangers are a good place to go
3: yeah, my my son uh, my son plays in a band he plays guitar he's had a great band called your favorite color
0: nice and, and would you say any corn influence with those guys or was it something yeah, they didn't get yeah. into Th-
3: those guys are like uh their music is like a throwback '80s with a new a new twist on 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 the vocals.
0: They're, they're a really cool good band.
3: Why? They've got what, songs all, all over iTunes. It's called Your Favorite Color. Okay. Your Favorite
0: what, Color. What, what type of uh, '80s bands would you say?
3: Uh, I, I would just say they encompass more of the full '80s sound with the with the the um, the keyboards and and all the kind of drum sampling and the weird sounds.
0: That's cool, because I know that corn had a heavy influence from, you spoke about it last time we spoke, Guns N' Roses, and also you guys were huge Motley Crue fans. So, I mean, you got a lot of that influence from those guys as well as Faith No More, and that's why Corn had such an original sound for the time.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, Korn, um, we, I mean, honestly, the way we kind of developed our sound was we were really into like Faith No More, Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, kind of the heavier bands back then. Um, but what really shaped our sound, honestly, is, as uh, um, Steve I, when he was in White Snake, he came out with a seven string guitar, which allowed him to have a drop string and our, our and, and they, he p- produces a guitar through Ibanez and our guys heard Steve I playing with White Snake with this drop string, seven string guitar. So at the time, Steve I was barely using the drop string, and our guys went out and they bought Steve I bottle guitars, and we played everything in the drop notes. So we kind of started that whole drop tuning um, era of stuff. And myself and our bass player, we, we were into hip-hop music, so I started using these big 808 booms. Uh, so, I, so I bought a sampler and a sample pad and incorporated the kind of 808 things, and that's why they kind of incorporated the kind of rapish kind of, kind yeah. of beats here and there. So it was kind of a it was influenced from all over the place, all the way from white snakes to red hot chili peppers, faith in the war to rap music. It would kind of all mixed it all together. And,
1: and and it mixed well and it gave that iconic sound that you know you know when old corn comes on, you know right when it starts, you know that yeah. That's corn right there. Um brought, I, I Second marriage and talk about it. I, and I went through through some problems with my marriage. And, and then also when even that little bit when I was on the road for three years, nothing compared to what you did. But how do you keep that together, man? How do you keep you got your wife's second your 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 four, your current wife, school teacher? What did you learn at the beginning until now to, to keep that marriage strong and to keep keep the family together? Because you're I know you're you're obviously not traveling right now, but you're going to be. Most likely, when things kick up, you're still in that same rocker world. You're still in the same where where it can be. I, I'm sure it can be a little bit there temptations, vices, and stuff out there that you've learned from. How do you how do you maintain that healthy relationship now? How do you keep that strong, especially uh, especially being still in the music business for so long and knowing what vices are out there. Um.
3: Honestly, I would just say because I'm older now, I'm more mature, and I can keep my things together
1: <laughs> and keep it together first. Yeah, that, doesn't it, maturity, maturity always works out, that you get smarter, you do get wiser as you get older, and you realize, I, man. I
3: was so young and stupid, and shit got so crazy so fast, it was just, it, shit went off the rails earlier, and um, I mean, I think everybody gave in to the craziness. I mean, it just got shoved upon us, and all of a sudden, money started coming in like crazy.
1: Yeah, and, wow. And,
3: you know, it, it really, it really escalated fast. But now, being the age I am, and and really having the the wherewithal to appreciate what I have, um, I think that's everything that's keep it going to keep us grounded.
1: That's yeah. Just you learn from mistakes, you learn from failures, and you push up. Per, per, and you know when you when you get your age to what, thirty six, thirty seven, you, you, you you're like, you know, we're, hey, shut up, Ian. We're only thirty eight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys are about the same age. I mean,
1: yeah, I'm I'm almost fifty. I'm forty nine. You don't need to tell us your age. I'll tell everybody mine. I'm forty nine. I'm almost fifty. You're, Dave, Dave. Looks good. He, like I said, I still am amazed when I saw the pictures. Uh, of man, because I swear, my I, my COVID
3: beard. I have a little. Uh, I love it. I have have a little dog that she has a full on gray beard. I'm oh, gonna no. post a picture! I'm gonna post a picture <laughs> later of, on the Instagram of uh, me with my little gray bearded dog next to me and say, "When COVID turns you into looking like your dog." <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of that, can you tell people because. This is for me because I'm gonna follow you on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle and what's your social media handles? Yeah, I it's it's a necessary evil in this world today. You gotta have it, but I, just let us know because I, I think a lot of our listeners would like to know what that is out there if they already don't. And I'm one of those ignorant ones that don't.
0: So you know?
3: in, in Instagram is just Silvera David. Got it. Name, Last name first name.
0: Got, awesome, got man. it. Awesome, And And uh, for people who are just checking out Bias now, we're looking forward to the. Uh, you know songs on the horizon what, what are some things you'd say about this band and what makes you guys unique what influence did you influences did you draw for this new project?
3: Um, I, I'm not really sure if I can point out any specific influence because I think everyone in the band really has a different um, different personal influence but I will say I think the music kind of re- reminds me reminiscent of almost the the 90s kind of feel of music but wow. our singer our singer is very much in the future with uh, harmonies and melodies i mean he, he's a real singer he's not yes he, he, he doesn't scream he doesn't rap he doesn't do any of that kind of stuff um no I'm, i can't even, he does scream but he screams he screams with uh, with melody got
0: um, it
1: but
3: yeah our our singer brings us into the future and our music is more reminiscent of the past but it, but i wouldn't say i could name any 90s band that, that sounds like we're ripping off I would just say it, 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 the music reminds me more of yeah. a lot of the stuff from the nineties because I'm still using sampling pads and, and um, tr- triggering noises and stuff like that.
1: And it did when, I, when the song I heard it did, it re- It reminded me of the nineties, reminded me of when people actually wasn't the auto tune. People were actually playing their instruments and it sounded yeah. like music it, again, which is, and maybe this COVID's a good thing. Maybe it's going to bring actual music back into music and not, auto, not over auto tuning or, 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 you know, just where I I don't, I I don't think the the talent is, is there in, in bands as it was when, when, but really, how can you, with that era that with you guys came out and, and and even I think Lincoln park was coming even then at that time as well, you know, honestly, that's an era right there that I I don't think you can compare. You can't, you can't, you're not going to have bands like that coming out again.
3: I couldn't agree more, and without putting any individual bands down, <laughs> I honestly cannot name – I mean, I would have to think about it to name a current band that I actually really listen yeah. to and really, really, yeah. really like. And I don't mean that in any disrespect. Maybe I'm just old school or my taste is just uh, not up to the current <laughs> the current sound. It's but not a bad really thing. listen new no. music.
0: Yeah, no, I – I get it I and I was going to say when you were talking about the updated sound of the vocals, I I agree there's definitely a 90s influence, yet when I hear the new songs, they absolutely sound like something I could hear being played on Octane right now and the original, being in yep. in the but it's in the same vein as those new bands with but your feel on there. It you know, it is going to appeal to someone who grew up on a Korn, Slipknot, Limp Bizkit and and that whole era, I think.
1: Yeah,
3: I, I definitely
0: agree. I mean, very, very groove-centric. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 really in.
1: I hate it when you guys use those big-ass words that I don't understand. What, you, what the hell, damn it? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, the,
3: the music's based based around um, a, a certain tempo, which which means uh, the, the song
1: grooves.
0: See? There you go. <laughs> groove-centric. groove-centric.
1: Wait, there, I got it. New, I'm putting it in my vocabulary right now. I wrote it down in my little book.
0: You know, we were talking about the situation going on right now with restaurant, restaurant owners, guys in bands. It's definitely a tough time in the country right now. And I can tell you that whenever I've had tough times, a lot of the music that you've made over music the years has yeah. Yeah, it's definitely gotten me through it. So for Thank people you. checking out the podcast, whether they're military members overseas, whether there's someone in America who is furloughed from their job. I and mean, what would you tell those guys to, to get through this time?
3: You you know what, honestly, people are in such bad positions. I honestly don't know what to tell them other than I'm sorry and I'm praying for them. And I really hope when this economy opens up, people are not too much in the hole where they can revive their business. I mean, I'm just hoping and praying that it hasn't ruined so many people's lives that they're not able to come back. I mean, I really am. I, I'm really worried about it. And I think everyone should be worried about it because it affects us all yeah. and it would be a drag on our whole entire economy. And I'm just praying that enough people – find a way and and maybe these SBA loans are hopefully they'll get to the right people. So far, it sounds like some of them are, some of them are not, but I really hope that the small businesses are going to be able to get back on their feet. And I, I, I know just being able to not pay your rent and pay all of your employees for two or three months can kill a business. And it's already been a few months. So I'm really worried about the small businesses across the country. And I just really hope and pray these people can come back and reopen their doors and hopefully get p- caught back up on their rent and all their bills. Because if they don't, I mean, small businesses are the engine of this economy. Yeah. yeah. They, if they can't come back or if we lose a whole big percentage of them, we're going to be in big trouble.
1: And, and we can't. All these big conglomerate stores that were it really does look like we're supporting them and not small businesses. That's not what this country is about. Really, it's its terrible. Small businesses used businesses
3: take up 50% of the commerce in this country.
1: Yeah. And we need to get them open. And it, it's again, Nebraska, we don't see it as much here. Our, our governor isn't as crazy as you when you get out there in California. And I don't, I'll, I'll call him crazy. I'll, I, her, him, I, whoever it is, it's, it's, cause they haven't bro. I don't know. <laughs> I hate, I, I hate Texas in a minute. <clears throat> like well, you I know maybe that's too. where you need to be um I you know I, I would too because of the weather uh, Omaha is beautiful as far as politics goes because it doesn't have a ton of them in here but the weather sucks so maybe I need need to get warmer down south but bro I again I all I want to say is thank you for have, being on if you can't just remember you, you there's there's no you have no idea again I hope you can I hope guys within that era that you're in understand how much you helped veterans get through the hardest times of our lives and then to motivate us just to get out the gate when we didn't want to go out the gate just to just to get your pumped up because you know, you didn't know if you were going to come back you know but and you threw that stuff on your music really did and corn especially I I still follow it I still remember the album cover I had it just when I first got it the uh, first CD I got um and just uh, it just you, you, you helped us. You helped us immensely, and I hope that means something to you all out there. You, you helped guys like myself come home. You did. I,
3: can't I tell every I've heard that exact story, every single time it warms my heart. It makes me feel like mission complete. And good. all the people that have come up to me and told me that I've helped them, or our, our band has helped them through difficult times in their life, to help them get through and help them, uh, you know, be strong for themselves. It makes me feel so good and so proud of what we've been able to accomplish as a band. And it makes me feel good as a human knowing that I put out something that was able to help so many people, and I and I never get tired of hearing it. So thank you so much.
1: Oh man, amen, brother. No, thank you again. God bless you, and yet I appreciate you having on. This was this was a highlight for me, uh, yeah. really. It's like it is because it's just it's you. This is what I cut my teeth on, I, and just brings back so many memories of of me sucking, but having to embrace the suck, and then turn on corn. We got back in the team room and vegging out, just 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 Head, just headbanging and getting our getting the smile back, just like your smile, just that smile back on. I wish you could see my smile. And I'm wearing my 75th Ranger Regiment T-shirt right now. I just can't, I can't put my I can't put the video on because you can't see it. Son of a bitch. But <laughs> but I but I appreciate it. And maybe the, continue continue motivating people right now with bias. That's maybe that's the mm-hmm. calling what you're supposed to do right now. Chris, you mind if I ask you a couple questions. Yeah. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, of course. <laughs> go right. ahead. Go. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. So you know I'm gonna ask you about 13 hours i'm going i've been asked everything if you ask me something different no way i've been asked everything let's see let's see what you got Okay. <laughs> how close to the true story was that movie brother? that even being on set and that was amazing I, I, i'll tell you right now um when we first were told and three arts entertainment was the company that that produced the movie and i, I and they're the ones that did the book unbeknownst to us I didn't know three Arts was that big in the movie industry. I had no idea who Irwin Stoff was. So when they bought the rights to the book, they had an idea in mind of what they wanted to do. We didn't, we just like, we're going to write a book. And But as it moved on and Irwin Stoff, for those who don't know who Irwin Stoff, Irwin Stoff was Keanu Reeves, first actor, business manager, so forth. Now Irwin Stoff runs three Arts entertainment, which is one of the biggest entertainment industries in, in Hollywood. Um, but when they told us Michael Bay was going to do the movie, I'll be honest. I was like, what the fuck? Michael Bay? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I was like, Transformers? It's me? a huge story, man. It deserves the best. Well, yeah, and but that's, you know, because you're thinking of, at the time, you're thinking, oh, it's, it's got to be Peter Berg, or it's got to be yeah. uh, Ridley Scott, or it's got to be Steven Spielberg, you know, and now Michael Bay is in that category of directors. He's that well-known. He makes that amount of money when he directs films, but you're you're not thinking I'm not thinking of past Michael Bay movies. I'm thinking of Transformers, you know. Right. I'm not thinking of The Rock, which was probably one of the best military movies made where the tactics were right at the time with the The old Rock, that's Michael Bay. So when we met him though, he was he's a huge huge veteran supporter. Gives two shits about politics, doesn't get in it. He loves the military. And I remember the first thing I asked him, I go, "You know if you do this movie, we don't want to make it political. We just want to tell what happened. But they're going to come after you, especially Clinton. And I remember this is what he said. He may deny it. I don't care. We were in Miami at a restaurant, one of whatever restaurant he picked. There's some high-end restaurant there in Miami. Um, and he goes, I don't give a fuck what she thinks. We're making this movie. And i like, that's the guy. That's We need this guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, when he said that, though, long story to answer your question, he kept us involved. The reason I'm putting that backstory is because he put us, kept us involved, not only with the script writing, which we helped write the script with Chuck Hogan. If you don't know who Chuck Hogan is, he's tremendous, tremendous script writer. Um, uh, we actually had to fix the script a few things, and he fixed he fixed what we wanted fixed in there. I got to know Pablo right off the bat. When Pablo was picked as the guy that was going to play me, my doppelganger, Pablo and I started talking on day one. And we actually are still friends. I just talked to him uh, four, four or five days ago. And it shows within how he got the portrayal of me because he hung out. We hung out. We we got to know each other very well. He's still a very close friend. He got my character. My personality is spot the fuck on. Except the dancing. I dance a hell of a lot better than him. Yeah, he's that's <laughs> terrible. But I used to do that. No, the dancing. But we helped write this group. We helped design the set in Bass Studios. And then we were actually – we took turns on set. So each of us was on set for about a week. So you break that down – but, you know, I, I tell people, you know, being on set is one thing, but being on sets like when you play a game, that's really when the game's going on. If you don't have your ducks in a row before you get to set, then it's going to be fucked up. And we did. We did. We had the script right. The actors were spot on. You know, we had the set and, and the actual annex there that is in the movie, even though it's in it's in um, not Tunisia, it's in uh the, there's an island, um, Malta. We filmed it in Malta and Morocco. Um, and I was in Malta, I was on set during that time frames. That's the, 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 the annex looks identical to the one we had in Libya. It's spot on. I got, I walked on set on that annex that we had in the movie. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, it, it was like, I'm back in, I'm back in Benghazi and to, to, and to, to, watch them do the acting and everything just to verify that, that yes, it was as close as it is. And he did, he got it damn near spot on, um, we had a scene where Pablo was carrying a Mark 46. That's what I carry. It's that little min machine gun. I had that, and I had a rifle that night. Well, there's a hand placement on that charging handle that if your hand placement is wrong, right there, a veteran or a military, especially a ranger, is going to see it in the movie, and they're going to say, okay, this movie sucks. It's wrong. Just from that little hand placement. Well, they were doing a scene, and it's when we got hit at the, uh, at the, uh, at the consulate, and he charged the charging handle. On that Mark 46. But he had his palm down. Dude. That is right there. Every military person that's shot a machine gun. That's been in the special operations. Or in an infantry. Is going to look at it and go. And walk out of the theater. Like that's done. That little bit. And I said. After the scene was over. I walked over to Michael. I said Michael. We we can't do that. I said no Ranger would ever do that. With his hand. He's got to have that palm up. Or or you're going to lose all your audience. Jacked it back up. And they refilmed the whole thing again. That is the attention to detail that they wanted to get. And people can see us actually on set on the uh there's a, if you watch search YouTube and say thirteen hours of men who lived it, it shows actually all the us behind the scenes with the actors. So yeah, I, I it got it got all it got pretty damn close as you could, you know, trying to condense thirteen hours into a two and a half hour movie. And to be honest with you, brother, that in itself was an experience because that was like reliving a very big moment of your life and you're seeing it. it being portrayed, but then you're reliving it while you're on set. And I remember the first time I saw the sizzle reel, I broke down, man, because it was so fucking – it just – it was like, wow, I'm I'm, I'm back here. And, you know, so – uh, but I I was – I'd be lying to tell you if I wasn't – tell you I wasn't skeptical at the beginning when Michael Bay was picked. Cause yeah, of course. But, but, but he did an awesome job, and for all you out there, Michael Bay is a huge veteran supporter. At his house, he has no movie awards at his house in Miami. It's all – accommodations from all the military units that he has worked with on his movies when you walk in his house. And it's, but the dude, the dude, I I don't think he sleeps though. I think he drinks 8 million cups of coffee a day. (laughs) But is that, does that answer your question? Because I was very happy with the outcome and Pablo did an outstanding job and he should have won an Oscar for his portrayal of me. That's what I think.
3: I just cannot believe you guys took on that kind of force and you prevailed. That is fucking crazy. You guys
1: whipped their ass. It was crazy. That's one of my favorite movies ever. It's amazing. they did a great job in the colors and because all these war movies that you have out there, they're great. Don't get me wrong. They're great. Black Hawk Down, Lone Survivor, great movies. Uh, you know, I know Marcus. I know actually Colonel McKnight, uh, Dale Sizemore, the guy that was going to cut off his uh, to go on the Black Hawk Down mission. The, the ping pong accident, Dale Sizemore was going to cut off. He's a good friend of mine. He lives in Iowa. I, I, t- I, said, I love those movies. But what they missed is they missed the color. It's not dreary. It's not dirty. The colors are so fucking vivid during combat. It's just so vivid. The things pop. It's like you're a racehorse and you take the blinders off. You know the side blind. And that's what thirteen hours got. They got the colors and the excitement yeah. down. It's not dirty. It's not dirty and grimy. Yeah, death sucks, but death is fucking vivid. Death isn't. Death isn't dull. Death is holy shit. My friend just blown up. Got blown up. And and we. But be honest with your brother. We got lucky too. If they would have hit us with an IED. Or a VBIED? Yeah. No, nah, we were dead. We just got oh, lucky. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that? Is that, did I, is that, did you have another one too? I love answering questions too. Can you tell I rambled too much? Well, Do I, you know. was gonna say, I, I really
3: like the fact that when you guys were at the airfield, you only mentioned one time. I mean, just just to keep the politics out of the movie, yeah. I actually appreciated the fact, even though at the time I, when I saw it and I knew the real story what was going on, I knew how much bullshit it was and I was disgusted with it. I actually like the fact that you guys only mentioned one time. Yeah, that uh, th- that they they said on back on TV here in America that it was uh it was a, yeah. a was a was a, a terrorist yeah. or a local guy making a threat or something, and that it wasn't a coordinated attack on the on the consulate.
1: Well, and that's because we, really when you watch the news and and we saw the attack, I remember seeing the attack in Egypt going on. And I'd been deploying at that time for over ten years, so I'd seen a lot of those uprisings. I just, you know, I kind of rolled my eyes, it's like, well, fuck, it's it's Arab Spring, that's what they fucking do. It's it's the, it's the, uh, you know, whatever time it was at that time, I forget what it is called, the whatever name the 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 rub the uh, terrorists made up for whatever they needed to prove to do a to overthrow a consulate. But I saw the stuff in Egypt, and I was like, oh shit, well. Guess what? Terrorists are re- overrunning, a con- overrunning something in Egypt or they're destroying stuff again. Whoop-dee-doo. That happens all the fucking time. So we really didn't know. And uh, But yeah, the video, I, again, I, that wasn't a concern. I gave two shits about the politics of it. I just wanted to fight. I was, and, I was
3: yeah. glad to see you guys only mentioned that one, one really quick time, even though it is completely mindless crap. But yeah. uh, I, was, I was glad to see that you guys only mentioned that one time. Didn't make a big deal about it.
1: Well, hey, yeah, I, I appreciate that, brother. And at the time, it wasn't no necessary, it wasn't necessary to make a big deal. Not necessary it was yeah. just to fight and get our try to figure out our asses out of there. And we knew nobody was coming at three a m. like okay, well, let's again, that's what goes back to what we talked about with you. We all didn't get along. we all didn't like each other, but we worked our asses off to complete the mission and get everybody out and 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 we put all our differences aside to accomplish the mission. And hey, you can say that with corn, Andy. I, really, I mean, I, you, you compare the two, it's the same thing. You put the shit, you put your differences aside to, to put your best work out there and to win. And that's what we did. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, but yeah, it, it's very, very accurate. And I was, I'm honored that I was able to be a part of it. And I said, Pablo and I, Pablo's awesome. He's just 6'4", 250 pounds. I'm 5'9", 160 so we're <laughs> a little bit different in size. I'm a lot better looking than he is though. So it's a good trade-off. He can be bigger. I'm, I'm handsomer. So.
0: <laughs> but, this yeah, was, I this was great, man. man. No, re- really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to have this up on Monday. Our last guest was actually uh, Jimmy Allen from puddle of mud. And Jimmy was like, I like Dave. Dave's a funny guy. So uh, we'll have Jimmy Allen up on Friday. We're going to have you up on Monday. We've done a ton of shows this week. So, um, at silvera david on Instagram, at david silvera eight on Twitter. and once again, silvera is s so i l v e r i a. so at eight, David yep. silvera eight on Twitter, at silvera david on instagram. biasedband.com. dot com. bias. I almost said biased. biasband dot com b i a s band dot com at biasbandoc o c on Twitter on instagram. Uh, anything else, man? I think we've covered a lot. We've covered bias, yeah. followed the leader era. And I'm. it's pretty cool that you're a fan of uh, 13 Hours and Chris. And I, I had a blast doing this, man. Bruh. Thank you guys yeah.
3: very much for having me. It's very nice meeting both of you. Chris, I have the utmost respect for you. And thank you for your service to giving us this opportunity right now to be able to talk and all the other freedoms you have for us around this country. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you both for having me.
1: Brother, God bless you, man. Good luck to you, and I will push your stuff out there. I this has been a great week for me. Jimmy Allen, puddle of mud. I got, I got Dave Silvera from Corn. Man, you have no idea. Just smile on my faces because you're just for making me remember the the great, even the awful times, but they were so great when I was in the military and deployed. And again, you you did amazing, brother. Keep doing great things and being positive out there. And and thanks for Thank that flag too. in the background. That's that's fucking awesome.
0: Absolutely. Awesome, Hang is there right here is
1: there on my, my house?
3: Yeah, Is there any so, story,
0: any story of where that flag's from? Uh, yeah, actually, uh,
3: Congressman John Campbell. Uh, okay. Jo- Congressman John Campbell of California, he flew it above the Capitol. I think it was up for a couple days. Then he took it down, and I, I was friends with one of his aides. And then he sent it to me with a little certificate certifying that it was flown above the Capitol. So when I so got fair. it, I had to have it framed to put this little certificate in here. Badass it's, man, it, thank it,
0: you so
1: much appreciate it man yeah take care brother take care god bless you again be safe out there bro you too nice talking to you guys thank you 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 too Dave. bye bye Bye.
0: dude how awesome was that man dave silvera i mean dude as i said when i was 13 i had a corn you know theme for my bar mitzvah so i I am as diehard corn as it gets and i mean for you that's got to be cool that a guy that you grew up not grew up because you guys are about the same age but we're listening to as a ranger as a contractor say that his favorite movie is thirteen hours that's that
1: cool. that is cool and and it, you can't say I grew up because you do when you go in the military you do it doesn't matter how old you are you're you really are at least when I went in. I don't know how it is anymore maybe it's not this way anymore, but I know when I went in they strip you they strip you of your old self and they build you back up so you are growing up again in a sense and and i do i always i do i feel like there was. There was two lies. There was me before the military, and then there was me after the military, and that was the music. I said I always talk about the Funky Monkey there in Washington. The Funky Monkey. That's what they played. They don't have them station anymore, but you just turn on the Funky Monkey, and that's where you're getting Puddle of Mud. That's where you're getting Corn. That's where you're getting Rage. That's where you're getting you're getting uh, Primus. You know, that's where you're getting the. That rock era and I a Lincoln Park at the time, too. And and that's what we played at Range Battalion all the time. And then when you go downrange, what's everybody listening to? You're a bunch of alpha running around with a bunch of alpha male. So, what's going to be playing all the time? Corn, you've got then you got Slipknot starting to come out, you know, they're coming out with stuff. Then you got Mudvayne coming out with stuff. So, that is that is what you're growing up on. And even when you're deploying, you're growing up again because now you're learning something different. Uh, uh, about and you're you're in war. You're not training for it anymore. Now you are in going to be in war war combat situations where you may have to pull pull that gun out and you may have to take somebody's life. And how do you get through it? How do you remember the states? Well, like we talked about earlier, uh, sports when it's on AFN, that's how you tie back into the states and stay stay normal. Try to feel normal. But the other thing that you have is music, yeah. and that's corn. And corn was corn. Corn was you know, they that's when the new good stuff really started to to take a life of its own. And I still put those two up there together, Corn and Lincoln Park. They cha- they really did change what music was. And you, you gotta know, from-
0: include Lincoln Park because you know it's I, I think yeah. you've seen it. Our our friend Drew Dwyer uh yeah. Rest in peace, man. I, I don't know if you've seen the picture when he got to go uh, backstage with friend to a Lincoln Park show. Uh, they brought a yeah. bunch of Marines yeah. back there, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Drew Drew was a huge Lincoln Park fan, man. So they're definitely another band of that era. Although I'll say, you know, I think Corn had Corn uh, were really pioneers in that sound. No, they. Linkin they Park no. was a few years later, and and when Corn came out, I think people were like, what is this? It was,
1: was. like anything. Were... It was because I, at that time, I listened to a lot of rap music. I liked NWA. I, and then Ice Cube came out on his own. Um, I liked that, that gangster rap. And so I didn't want to listen. You know, I, I liked some, I liked Motley Crue a bit. I like, yeah, I did. I did like the old rock, but that's what I was drawn to at that time. So when somebody came, and you know, I didn't, I didn't really listen to a lot of other rock music or, or what you'd say rock or what. And then when Corn came out, I was like, holy shit, they're fusing it together. It's it's getting the best of both. You're getting you're getting the best of of gangster rap, and that's how I feel. Best of the gangster rap stuff, and then you're also getting the best of, of rock, and you're putting it together. They're the ones that are able to fuse it together. But I also think that's why you see WC doing the Cripwalk walk in corn corn videos, because it is. It's they put the best of two together, and it yeah. made that sound that was no. You, you can't replicate Corn's earlier sounds.
0: You can't do it. And you no, can't and, replicate and you can't it at and you all. can't replicate the drums. It's uh no. You know yeah. it's an interesting thing, actually, and I, I may have said this the last time, which was on appetite for distortion with Dave, but um you listen to the early corn and it it has this particular drum style. And yeah. the current the current drummer is a great technical drummer, but it's it's very similar to because it was on appetite for distortion, we were talking guns and roses. I heard Steven Adler, the original drummer for Guns N' Roses, once say That uh, Matt Sorum, who was on the later Guns N' Roses albums, he's like, he's a great drummer, but he's like, sometimes I listen to it and it's like, is this a machine or is this Matt Sorum? And I think David, you know, it it wasn't that it was so precise, so perfect. He had a certain swing and a certain groove, as he mentioned to the songs, that when you heard it, you knew it was him. And just like when you guys hear Bias, you're going to say, all right, that's the drum style I remember. Yeah,
1: no, and you are, because... He, he was there that's he was he was corn he, you heard the drums kick in and then you'd hear and you help me out bro because i don't know the bass player of corn but Fieldy. you hear yeah that you when the very the original when those two would start you hear the drums and you hear the bass they it just synced so well together but you're right right there i like fuck that's corn it's like it, they're just it's funky and they're hitting it hard and yeah. that what was awesome about it and, and now i have half him and i know I, I know shit on the videos when i used to see the videos you would see all these long-haired, you know, the one guy there with the dreads. The the are you the talking game, about head? The, the lead guitar player is that head? Yeah. With the dread, the dreads. Well, head, in this.
0: yeah, head had the braids and fieldy the had bra- the braids. And uh, the, sorry, and uh, and monkey had the dreads. Monkey.
1: But then you saw the guy in the drums with the with the with the cut, like the actual yeah. <laughs> the short haircut. He's got the tank top on. He's 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 you know you can tell he's jacked a little bit. And that was what was cool to me. I was like, oh my god, all these long-haired, you, what you would think rockers at the time, and then you see the old school guy in the background that that looked like actually old school rocker that should have been on the drums, you know, back in the '80s. And he's and he's and he's buffed out too, and it just worked. I did like his little goatee he had though when he uh, when he was playing. I like his little goatee now, his beard now, but that little goatee, little yeah. He had the uh, bleach blonde hair. The Little uh,
0: bleach, the little it, yeah. It was uh, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny because Corn was one of those bands where everybody remembers, like even the look of every single member. And and a lot of bands I watch today, I couldn't, you know, you know, I'm a nerd for music, but I couldn't tell you the drummer, I couldn't tell you the bass player because they're kind of interchangeable. And a lot of bands now, um, you know, they're lucky if they go like a year with the same lineup. So Corn went a good 13 years with the same lineup, and it's the same lineup today minus him and and. I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but, you know, if they ever get accepted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or uh, not accepted, you know what I mean? Uh, nominated to be nominated. The yeah. Fame, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is on the horizon. I mean, because you got Soundgarden uh, and a lot of these other ah. bands are being nominated. So I think they're the next guard who's going to be in there. I, I w- would think, you know, even if they never reunited as a band again, I would hope for like a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance. That they can get together with that classic lineup have Dave on the drums people want to see it
1: Uh, I it's up to and I always leave that up to the it It, it, it's hard to say and I don't I didn't you know the reason being is because even with the guy the guys that went through with what I did in Libya it, it would be hard if somebody came up to me and said hey we want you and Oz and Boone and Tig to go do this function together I'll be honest it would be hard for me to say yes so I I would like to see it too but I would understand if he said no because some of those, when you go through, and I, he went through 12 years, they went through a lot of ups and downs, um, and you go through uh, traumatic events, or you go through huge events, or you spend years together, and then you have that breakup, um, it, it's not easy to, to forgive and forget. So I would hope yeah. so too, brother, but if Dave's still listening out there, he listening to his cast, if he said no... I would understand
0: because I don't think he would I, though, and it's actually from reading past interviews. I don't. I think it's more on those guys' ends because I think he said he would. He would do it. I mean, I think he's enjoying the music that he that he's doing that's now. That's awesome. He's but I course. think he's completely up for it. It's just. I, you know, I totally understand it. I think it does have to do with the age when um, Frank was on the podcast for a year. He said, if familiarity just breeds contempt, you're on a, you're on a tour bus all day with guys. And, uh, and he, he said it on his episode. He's like, yeah, a lot of it was my fault. A lot of it was the other guy's fault. Uh, I'm sure they would probably feel the way same way in retrospect. I mean, I just, you know, there's, there's times where you're probably sick of seeing my face because we were talking (laughs) for, you know, six hours a week. Could you imagine if you're on a tour bus and, and touring every single city and everybody, you know, every mannerism is going to get on your nerves. It's just yeah. the way it is. I noticed that when I moved out of my parents' house, I get along better with them because I'm not with them uh, 24-7. So it's not like, you know, I, I think once once you get see people every few days, it's easier to have like a good relationship with them sometimes. Um, well, I, I've never I, I been married. That. I've never even been in a long-term relationship. So you could speak more on that. But I, I think sometimes just being around the same person day after day, I got along really well with Mike Bins when we worked on Will Cow's show. But there were times where he would get on my nerves, and it was it, for irrational reasons. It was stupid, but you got to keep in mind, like, uh, people think a radio is this glamorous thing, but you see how small that control room we were in. It, it's like four hours a day of being in this little glass cage. And something Mike does is gonna get on my nerves. Something I do is gonna get on his nerves. Something Andrew does is gonna piss us off uh for the most part. we got along really well. I've been in other circumstances where I don't, but I think it's just the close quarters that's what's gonna happen
1: uh, I, you know, I, I with my my take on it is and this is from just experience my experience with what i with the guys and what I've gone through and what we've gone through together and is that um what happens, and especially when you have a falling out with with groups, like I said, I, I still get along with Tig real well. I still get along with Jack Silver real well. I finally just talked to Jack a couple of days ago again. Um, but, you know, the other guys, I don't. And and what happens, though, is if you feel like you're going to be in the same area again, it's that feeling that you had when you had that falling out that you don't want to replicate. So I don't know if it's time away that heals. In my case, I don't think that's I, – I, right now, that's not the case. And that's okay. That's okay. I I still wish them the best. I hope they all are extremely successful what they do. uh, But
0: and and also for you, there's no uh, there's no real motive to to have to get back with those guys. You know, it's not like you're in a band and you're going to go on tour. You know, you're very successful doing your own thing. You don't. uh, I don't know. There's not like a big demand of like we need you guys all in the same room right now. You know. Yeah,
1: and and even if, but that's the thing is, even if there was, I don't think I would. And, And. but that being said, Dave, Dave we were, were talking about Dave. That's why I would always say to him, you know, people are going to pressure you. The fans are going to pressure you to, hey, be back together. But I'm going to tell him right now, just as as and I, I would like to call him a friend now. I would.
0: Oh, yeah, I dude. Would, he uh, I can tell you right now. He texted me and he said, please give Chris my phone number if he ever wants oh, to shoot yeah. shit. He's a friend. He's a friend. I I
1: would say as a friend, I would say, you know what, dude, I understand if you didn't want to. And if that's the best for your mental state, then don't do it. But you're right, bro. I I, I think. And from from reading some of the stuff that that, you know, where, where he has apologized, he's actually been the big it looks like to me, it looks like and this is the media I can you can never tell. But with the stories I found, it sounded like he was the bigger man that actually came forward and said, "You know what? I, I apologize for the comments that were made when the breakup happened." I, I agree with you. I think he would do it. But all I'm saying is that I would say, and this is a personal message to him, is that if he decided not to, I would understand that too. Why? Oh, yeah, boy, no, understand. Yeah. Right? So, then,
0: but, so then, for you, let's actually say there was a big demand. You've talked about how you would <laughs> like to see President Trump give the Medal of Honor to those guys who were fallen. Let's say that he, or it wouldn't be the Medal of Honor. What medal it, would it be? It's
1: take? the, uh, it's a, pre, it's a presidential citation. There's a name. for okay. You know, I'll, I'll Google it right now because I'll be honest, I don't even remember it. Yeah, like but either
0: way, let's just say he wanted to recognize the Glenn Doherty uh, and uh, you know Ambassador Stevens, all the guys who who are no longer with us, and he wanted all of you guys at the White House at the same time. You <sighs> take Tim, Oz – and President Trump personally gave you a phone call and said, "We'd like to do this. Would you Would you do it?
2: For
1: for you know what? That's that's a good that's a damn good question. I would. I, I don't want to give my answer right now. I, okay. I would. I would. Uh, but if it was for Roan and yeah, but they said, but you're right. Circumstances. If it was for me, I like I said, if it was for anything else but just Roan, and Ambassador Stevens, Sean Smith, and Bub, you're right. You're, you know, it's, a, and I'm right now. I'm leaning to say yes, but yeah. it would be something where I would, I would definitely sleep on. And if it was, I, I probably wouldn't have a whole hell of a lot of contact with the other guys there that I didn't get along, just because it's not necessary, and it's not necessary to bring up, bring up any bad feelings. But out of respect, because those guys are heroes, and they deserve it fucking a president trump i don't know how the hell they have not gotten those presidential medals for courage or and whatever the i don't remember the, no, the terminology but those highest basically the, the the highest medal you can get a civilian which is comparable to the medal of honor in the military why they haven't gotten it yet but out of respect you're right bro and, and that's a good point out of respect of roan and bub and Abash stevens and sean smith Yeah, I I would say yes, because if I didn't, that'd be me putting my selfishness ahead of everybody else. And that's, that's not what I would want to do. So, you know, you make a good point. And that's, that's something where there would be a asterisk there saying, no, I would never do it, except here's the asterisk right here, except unless they were offered those guys were offered um if it was the case where because there have been people that have come to me and said hey we're 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 petitioning to get you guys that medal i'm like fuck i don't i did my job i don't want a damn medal i didn't want the valor medal that the state department gave us i don't know where that's at they probably threw it away i don't want the cia medal i don't want any of that shit but so if that wouldn't be anything like fuck no i'm not going for that but for those guys Again I' said it three times you made a valid point you 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 have me and I, I, you deserve a kick in the nuts for fucking for yeah. for putting that asterisk there but that's a that's a damn good point and of course uh, I most likely most likely would and the reason being is because they deserve that and those are the ones that gave all i i just i did my job, but they gave all and they deserve my respect. By being there, if if the families wanted us there, it it really wouldn't be to me, it wouldn't be really up to President Trump saying I want you there or whoever other politician. It would be the families want us there. If the families didn't want us there, I would respect those wishes as well, because those are more important than than. Uh, but but you're right, bro. I, I, I get what you're saying. So. He's so fuck
0: you, you motherfucker! You got me. <laughs>
2: Makes sense. <laughs> All
0: right, so uh, ra- wrapping things up here, uh, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented. Solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammunition, it's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through FortScottMunitions.com. Get on it now, guys, because product is flying off the shelves, and this yeah. is the best ammunition on the market. Uh, we stand behind them. Use the exclusive promo code Battleline for fifteen percent off your order. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. And they're the reason, along with our other sponsors, why we're doing this uh, for free for you guys. Not putting the show up on a crowdfunding site. Uh, if you support us, just support our sponsors, and you're gonna get some kick-ass product along the way. And I should throw out there. We also have shirts. The shirts are great. I've been wearing them all the time. Tonto-apparel.myshopify.com. So you don't have to throw us a donation or anything. Just buy a shirt if you if you like what we do, because you'll love it. Uh, it's tonto-apparel.myshopify.com. Look under the uh, Battle Line tactical header, and you'll see those there in different colors. we got a red, uh, green, black. I've got my red uh, and green. There's... there's a uh, there's have got different options there.
1: I, 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 we, we've got the blue. I, right? I like okay. the, navy, yeah, the navy. The navy. That blue is always my favorite. So I'd, add, but check it. They're, they're great. They're the next level. The next level tees, which are the, the nice soft form fitting tees. That's currently Demet. what I'm wearing. Next level yeah.
0: This
2: yeah, is my they, towel for
1: Vegas shirt, though. That's, that's, that's awesome. But that's, for those of y'all that buy all the, like, all those t-shirts, all the, that's the good
0: oh, yeah. soft blend. This is that's, my go-to so. shirt. I wear it all the freaking time. I think I, I think I was with Drew Dwyer when I bought this i was like that's a badass shirt man and i wear this all the time and
1: then they they just fit they just fit right and
0: they feel good and they and they hold their shape
1: and they hold the the graphics you're never going to wash the graphics off doesn't matter and believe me i'm a guy that just throws laundry in when tanya my wife doesn't do laundry and i'm doing it i don't separate i just throw it all in at once put it on (laughs) hot (laughs) i I still wash like a single guy and all the stuff stays on all the graphics stuff so great stuff bro and and um yeah they're awesome i love the shirts and it helps us and and again Fort scott thank you for always sponsoring us damn near sponsor every show yeah but um but yeah guys i i, I concur with ian's saying get your orders in because they're still you know they're still backed up like every ammo company out there but unlike other every ammo company out there they are working their asses off to get all those orders filled and they're they're working
0: 24 7 to get those things out so uh Check them out, guys. Definitely, they're the best. They really yep. are. Um, and show update. Uh, next week is going to be the ne- the last show of uh, the last week of two shows a week, I believe, unless anything changes on your end. <gasps> well,
1: we'll, we'll, no, we'll work on that, bro. Well, I, I think June would probably we need to tone it down a
0: bit. Let me, yeah, no, we'll do one that show that. a week for June. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll play it by year, man. But a lot of people checked out the show this month, which is great. Uh, we'll be back in studio. And after next week, I think we'll do a bunch of in-studio guests because I miss the, that in-studio interaction. I miss being at Gotham. And uh, Skype is great, and and fine. It's like finally I got a good, good connection here. I mean, it was months of of this thing sounding terrible. So finally we got to figure it figured out, uh, which is good to have for the future. But there's nothing like being in studio, I think. And I'm looking forward to you being back in studio.
1: Oh, brother. That's all you, you know, me, I'll be here with my shirt off, sitting in my Ranger silkies, <laughs> my Ranger panties, my Ranger silkies, doing the, doing the, uh, doing the podcast. And then, uh,
0: when New York yeah, so is back to normal song. though, you got to come visit though. No, well, a, well, we're, we're still going to have there. that book signing
1: eventually if we can ever have it. So I'll be, and you know, I, I come to New York. I usually I'm there for at least once every couple of months
0: because it's of been a while it's been six yeah. months.
1: Yeah. And, and Norm, that's never gone that long. That's why I, you know, I I I usually there it, and so you know I'm going to we always I always come back for something there's always something that I have to be in New York for every couple months and uh I said I enjoy I enjoy the city I enjoy being in Manhattan I enjoy for two days that's my limit two <laughs> days I got to get out of there but I do I I enjoy I enjoy I will just go down to to 6th Ave and just I will just people watch I'll sit right around where the serious studios are you know there's a fountain there's that nice steak restaurant. Yep. That, oh, Del
0: Frisco. I, I, yeah, made. Del Fresco. Yeah, Del
1: Fresco's. I'll just and I'll go to Starbucks because there's a Starbucks basically every two stores on every block. Mm-hmm. And I'll get a coffee. And I'll, I just love just to go there and just sit there and people watch. Although and not a whole lot do. of people to watch right now. <laughs> you know what? That would actually even be cooler because okay. I think it'd be so eerie. It is surreal. So, but I'm not into flying anywhere in the time being. No,
0: there's no, there's no reason to, unless you have a course that, you know, that you're getting paid to do. I totally. Even
1: even then I'm going to drive. I I just. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm through with flying unless I have to, because I can't make, I can't make the schedule where I have to. I just. So you're
0: going to drive to Maine? I am.
1: I actually am wow. going to how, drive. How long if, a drive is that? Oh, however long I want to make it. <laughs> I'll I'll take my time. And and I, I you you it's wonderful seeing. It is wonderful seeing the this great country, uh, on the on the interstate. But I'll, primarily, where I'll cut off and I'll go off on highways and seeing the back country on the old highways. Those are those are fun. It's it's wonderful wonderful to do that. Yet yeah, takes more time. But who says I got to drive sixteen hours in one day? You you break it up and you make it. You make it enjoyable. Um, if I have to do it where I can't drive, I've got to drive 16 hours in one day. Well, yeah, then I'm gonna to have to break down and fly. But in the meantime, no, brother, no. I, and I've never been to Maine. And this country is—it's is, people travel everywhere to go see all these awesome sites around the world. And I've been to a lot of these awesome sites around the world. Not all of them, but I've been to—I've been to quite a few of them. When I come back to the United States, we have all that same sort of sites that you travel around the world in one country, and people—I think people miss that. You can go see canyons and big assholes, oh, yeah. and, and then you yeah. can go into the Ozarks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I, I'm
0: you, not going to you know? let you uh, say that and not get away with it. You can see big assholes. Big assholes <laughs> in Arizona. That could go, go many ways. <laughs> I see big assholes. All
1: I'll, the let, time. I'll let I'll let people then let them play with that. That's funny. That's but um. But you're, but yeah, I no. Ended.
0: You're right though, because I when I went to South Dakota, people were like, "What the hell is there to do in South Dakota?" Oh gosh, there's a lot of stuff to do in South.
1: There Dakota. There is. Go so, get okay. on the west side of South Dakota. Go to Mount Rushmore, but then also see the see the um gosh, national park. Yes, the Badlands. the Badlands. Oh my, look, it's cool. It's awesome, and then you can even get you're close enough to go see the big ass Devil's Tower that was in uh, uh that was in a uh, uh, what's it a uh, are
0: you are you thinking of Pee Wee's Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Because there's there's something at Wall Drug that was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. No, I'm thinking of
1: um, it was a Steven Spielberg movie. You're the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Devil's Tower. That's that's actually you just go north. you go to South Dakota, then hit head up north. And you're gonna, you'll see Devil's Tower, which is surreal from it because you can see it from a distance. And it, if you're seeing Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that's that flat mountain, that big tower, that big mountain that's out in the north. No, it's just it's completely flat on the top of it. And it's, dude, it,
0: it's badass. We're gonna end the show with uh, Pity from Bias. I love this song. I think you guys are gonna dig.
2: Because and blame for everything only defeats our purpose Moral it's winding down, living up to the label Never even thought about uncertainties Motives not to like you're flying blind Some line. not a chance you even get a try Lay your efforts out on I'm proud. of battleline podcast but we have new shows up every Monday and Friday so make sure you're subscribed and keep up with the show 24/7 on Facebook and Instagram at battleline podcast also on Twitter at battleline pod as always never quit.